Hello, this is Justin, and before we start the show, I just want to let you know why this episode is extra super duper long. And that's because I missed last week's episode, and instead of posting two back-to-back, I decided to just make it one giant one, so you wouldn't miss one in your feed. So please enjoy this mega-long episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast, and just to let you know that at the end of the first one, the End music will play, and then after a second, the next episode will start. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy. Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin DeClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. (laughs) And if you live in Toronto, there's an update. You can't walk into the store anymore. Because COVID ravages... The city. We were all irresponsible idiots for the last several months, and we couldn't keep our shit together. So we're back in sort of lockdown mode here in the city. But here's uh, the thing: it it's not the people's fault. It's literally the um uh fe- not federally or provincially that they well, need to put down clear guidelines. <laughs> true. It's also federally too. I think it's it's federal. It's all level of government. Th- there's a lot of shaming of people. There, and is. it's like that's not how it works. It's the literally the systems themselves that are. Broken. Oh, I totally agree. And I'm the first one to get super mad at people not wearing masks. And, you know, I've had to tell of a lot course, of people you off. you can get mad at them. But at the end of the day, you are right. It's not necessarily as much their fault as it's a symptom of a larger issue in that authority figures and government levels of government are providing a lot of mixed messages about this and people don't really know what to do. So I can't be too mad at individuals when it's really a larger societal or a governmental issue right now. It's one of those things that if every government official told them you got to put a mask, you got to stay home and it was a consistent message, then it wouldn't be yeah. an issue because of the states and the like hemming and hawing because we want to keep restaurants open. That It's the main spread of the thing. It's like, oh, I my know. God. And yeah, at the end of the day, the government just especially the provincial government here just wants to keep things open so they don't have to support people with, you know, federal support money that they got. So, yeah, they you don't know, care yeah. if people die as long as it doesn't affect them. It's, so. People are calling this lockdown, but it's not really the lockdown that we were in before when we really shut down and we didn't even do this podcast for like a month and a half uh we can still do curbside pickups and that's what we are back to doing right now so you can call us or email us and we can set a pickup slot for you to pick up stuff we're still getting product rolling in as we're going to be talking about on this podcast and we also offer shipping so if you don't even live close enough to come down or you just feel too unsafe to come down which is totally natural we can ship stuff out to you. So definitely give us a call or send us an email. The thing is, like, curbside should not be a problem. Like, if restaurants, uh, not restaurants, I mean, stores need to do it. The problem is that, like, it's Christmas is coming up and you can't walk into a store to buy stuff. Uh, yeah, well, if they had just done this earlier, we wouldn't have this problem. I know. We'd be fine. You could all do your Christmas shopping in peace. But, you know, that Christmas no, display no longer, at so. Bay Street Video shall go unloved. <laughs> And I literally just start ordered like all of our Christmas product for the store and it just started all rolling in at the end of last week, which is basically when they announced we were going back to this. So and this is if you don't live in this province, this is supposed to last for a minimum of 28 days, which basically takes us to like 
the few days before Christmas. It's engineered supposedly that it should lift when Christmas happens, which is not going to happen. Which is crazy. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be around till the new year, which is definitely going to make our Boxing Day sales a little uh, interesting. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, But I'm kind of hoping that this doesn't lift like four days before Christmas, because then those like four days before Christmas are going to be There's no way that it's going to lift. I I would almost put money down on it. I don't think so. Because the numbers, they don't go down that fast. And anyway, okay. So people uh, people in the States are like, we've been living in this hell for eight months. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, what are these guys complaining about? Isn't this a movie podcast yeah. here? <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about new releases, like all of the new cult films that came out this month. A lot of them from Mill Creek, who was just pumping out the box sets. Yeah, including one of our favorite things to talk about. Hammer Films! Yeah, Hammer Films, the ultimate collection. Don't trust Mill Creek, they're lying. It's whatever they have the rights to they're putting out. Yeah, and it's really all the films that they've previously put out in those, like, cheap double-pack editions that they kept releasing over the years. Now they're all just collected in one big box set. Uh, but it looks snazzy. I heard that they have some uh, kind of crummy transfers on some of them. And that, like, some in the UK, they have better transfers. Yeah, I mean, we st- we were getting those uh, indicator import sets from the UK, which had a lot of these films on it in better deluxe editions and way better box sets, better restorations. So those were kind of like the go-tos if you're like an extreme hammer aficionado. This is, yeah, like I said, just a collection of previously released stuff that they did put together into one box using whatever transfers they had before. So, yeah, I don't know what there is to report uh, here, It's really. weird because, like, Hammer Super fans aren't going to buy it. I wouldn't recommend it to the Hammer Curious because it's a real hodgepodge of yeah, stuff. But you know what? We sold out of this in, like, a couple days flat, and I had to reorder more. So... There's definitely still a market. Just when I think people have I mean, maybe people are being tricked because, like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, the Ultimate Collection. Maybe this could be getting my uh, toe in. Oh, no, just a bunch of random crap. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just packaged really nicely. It looks like a real slick, slick package that I think people are just taken by that. All right. Well, I mean, good on Mill Creek for jumping into this game. We also have the Inner Sanctum Mysteries, a complete collection. Uh, This is a kind of film series that Lon Chaney Jr. uh, acted in, hoping it'd be his breakout from all of these, um, you know, typecast monster roles. It was not. Uh, I've never seen any of these. I think people think of them pretty fondly. It's based on a really famous um, radio yeah, show as well. Yeah, it's been pretty popular uh, on DVD over the years. The DVD set uh, has, I believe, been out of print for a while. But as a rental, it always did really well, always sold really well. Uh, the release date for this kept getting pushed back. This was supposed to come out way back in the spring. And for some reason, Mill Creek kept, Mill Creek kept uh, delaying it until now. I don't really think they've added anything onto it. So I'm not really sure what the delay was for. But uh, uh, we also here. have Girls, Guns, and G-Strings, which I made a joke that it would come out on DVD again a few weeks ago. And here it is. Did they actually reissue it? Or did you just go, oh, well, I should order this, this is, again? No, this is a reissue. So... If you're if you think this is deja vu and you're like, wait, I already own the girls guns and G strings collection. Well, this is the double D Lux edition, uh, which basically includes some new extras, I believe, that were not on the initial version because the initial version of this was. Is this a DVD edition? Yeah, it is just DVD, which is kind of crazy because they did just release all of these movies on Blu-ray individually, which we've been talking about ad nauseum over the last year. And you'd think they would put out like a Blu-ray collection of all 
these, but they have not. It's just a DVD repackage of the previous collection with, I guess, some of the special features that maybe they got for the new Blu-ray edition. This is, what this I'm is wild. What are they doing? <laughs> I don't know. And it's a lot more expensive, whereas the original set you can get for like a cool like 10 to $15. Now it's like a good 30 35 for this deluxe edition dvd set so but doesn't it have like 12 it has movies a lot, or something so like it's that definitely ridiculous worth it. but if you already like i already own the original set and it's more than adequate for for what these movies are you know <laughs> these movies that you'll maybe watch two yeah like i have some <laughs> fondness for this but i not enough to buy another set of these so i mean i didn't even care to buy any of these on blu-ray when they were coming out so i mean I don't know. But, you know, there's Andy Sedaris super fans out there. So. so moving on, we also have Silent Running, the classic kind of arty Hollywood uh, space movie about saving the environment, uh, starring Bruce Dern, directed by Douglas Turnbull. Trumbull. 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 Mr. Visual Effects Man. Yeah, the guy who uh, made the last film that Natalie Wood made in that crazy stereo process. He was a guy that would come to TIFF all the time and have, like, wild lectures, according to people that saw them, about, like, this is what the cinema of movies is, or the future of movies is. <laughs> right. He uh, came to talk about 2001, didn't he, at some point recently? Right. Yeah. Um, I just watched this film, actually, for the first time the other day because I just had never seen it, always wanted to. And now that it's out on Arrow, I figured now's the time. Uh, and I quite enjoyed it. It's really really laid back i love the environmental messaging like activist messaging in it i love the overall like hippie vibe of it um it was really cool i I really dug it and bruce dern is really affecting in the lead role i i mean i've always liked bruce dern but But what about the robots that's what's most important about this movie they're so cute yeah i love the robots they're great um and especially the end is just so the end is so like i don't know shocking but also kind of like charming and poignant you know i I obviously don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it but um yeah the ending kind of takes you by surprise a little bit but then ends on like a really nice note with the robots so i don't know highly recommend this one uh and the transfer from arrow the one that i watched looks beautiful looks better than it ever has so even if you brought bought the previous blu-ray uh, out from Universal, I would say it's definitely worth the upgrade. Uh, so we also have some of the bottom of the barrel of exploitation coming out of Italy from two companies. Uh, from Seven, we have Massacre in Dinosaur Valley, a film that nobody likes this movie. It has an awesome title, and that's why people keep buying it. And poster. It seems like it's got an awesome premise when you read the back, but I can see how it might not live up to the hype. Oh, I, it's so dull. There's no dinosaurs in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no dinosaurs. It stars uh, Michael Sopke. I'm saying that name wrong. The guy who stars in 2019 After the Fall of New York, a movie I love. Uh, but unfortunately, or was it 2099? I don't remember. One of those two. Yeah, 20. Yeah, you're, you're one of those. But two. this yeah. is like, <laughs> this was put out by like Media Blasters on DVD a long time ago. Yeah. So, but Severin, you know, I, like they are at the, like, th- this is barely anything at this point. Like some of the titles they're releasing. It really is. I mean, they were getting some cool, like they had the, you know, they were getting some bigger stuff for a while, like the Changeling, like the Peanut Butter Solution. I guess some bigger Canadian stuff. They Those were are getting... like interesting directions yeah. going, or the Indonesian films. But this, I don't know. <laughs> the last few releases we've gotten from them. I mean, I guess with the exception of Cruel Jaws, which, uh, you know, has been a little more popular than, uh, than you might think. Um, they've been kind of, you know, not really. Not they haven't been selling because I would think really. that these are the ones that Severn do 
to kind of like be able to do the weirder stuff. Yeah, not Cr- Cruel Jaws is like the only one that's been selling consistently of their recent slate. I would uh, say. Could have something to do with maybe them arriving a little bit late, but <laughs> yeah, I mean it's probably that because there's also a, like a handful of Severin titles which came out in October, which we still haven't received yet. So <laughs> yeah. th- this one, Massacre in Dinosaur Valley, I think came out back in september or something yeah, we're just something receiving like it now but that's Severin so we also you. have code red and they're putting out the giallo so sweet so dead which when you read that title sounds like a hundred million other titles <laughs> which giallo is this one Spin uh, so yeah i don't know this one it seems to have uh, okay reviews don't want to dissuade anybody from checking <laughs> it out and you giallo heads you know yeah, you're gonna pick it's it up granger in it's this one? similarly titled enough that i can go like oh it feels like an umberto lenzi film that i haven't watched that i have sitting on my shelf so i don't need to yeah, get it even the cover looks like a hundred different Giallo movies that we've had in recently, so I don't know. You know, Giallo fans got a there Giallo. There are no more Giallos to release anymore. <laughs> yeah. They've all been released. Like, I have the Troy Howard's triple set book on Giallo films. Like, they're all out there at this point. All the ones you'd want to see. They are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies you want to see, Resident Evil Limited Edition Collection UHD from Sony. Yeah, so this is a big-ass box set that Sony has put out for the Ultra HD premiere of these fine, fine films. Uh, it looks like some sort of um, radioactive case sort of thing. <laughs> Very... <laughs> Very nice looking, and we've sold it. That's the only way they'll get anyone to buy this, because it came out like a year we ago. Did. We've sold a ton of these so far, so, you know, people definitely like the look of it. It's hilarious, though. I don't know how they've packaged these inside, because I haven't opened it up, but every single one of these boxes we've got feel like all the discs are off the hub, like they're all, like, rattling <laughs> around inside. Granted, they're Ultra HD discs, so they're tough, but it's just hilarious. We're selling it to people, and you can just hear them all shaking around in there. I have, like, the Steelbook they put out... They didn't do Ultra HD back then when they as released it? As far that? as I'm aware, this is the first time any of these movies have been on Ultra HD, but I could well, be mistaken. Well, I'm anti-Ultra HD, so none of this. <laughs> but actually, I do like it coming in a fancy box that is very impractical that you can't put on your shelf. I, I'm convinced that a number of people who have bought it don't actually have Ultra HD players and are just buying it for the How box. How cool? Does it come with action figures or something? Does it come with... Uh... It, you know, it's, it's the kind of set that seems like it would mm. have action figures in it. Maybe that's what's rattling around in there i don't know i don't know maybe it's like that phantasm set with the blades yeah (laughs) okay so for the record uh my personal uh ratings of the resident evil movies uh first one awful terrible so boring i will never watch it again i strongly disagree with that so boring second Uh, one how can you say that it's so boring it's awful second one amazing love it five star movie (laughs) so good set in toronto (laughs) yeah uh third one eh, it's okay i like russell malaki i wish he would make fun fun movies like ricochet fourth one mostly takes place in a prison Uh, what happens in the fifth one? Well, I'm going to admit, I've only seen the first three. I never made it past number three. Okay, so you're speaking of nostalgic. Mark saw it when he was a teenager, probably in the movie theater part one, right? Uh, well, I'm speaking partly that because I did see it as a teenager in the movie theater and it frightened the hell out of me. But, uh, (laughs) I also speak as a diehard fan of the first one because I watch it religiously every few years and I watched it a couple years ago. That is wild. Still thought it was great. I'm so... 
I'm shocked that you hate it so much. Like, I can understand not liking it as much as some of the others, but um, but yeah, I'm a little shocked by your hate for it. I really, really enjoy the first one. I don't find Paul that, Paul Sanderson I... is a guy that I want to like his movies more than I do, Yeah, but he is a master of taking a cool concept and making it as dull as dirt. Fair and I would say I agree with you mostly on that, but I love Event Horizon and Resident Evil. Those are the two, those are the two of his that I really love. The rest I could take. I would or leave. say I loved Event Horizon until I watched it a few years ago with my partner Emily because I was like, "Oh, you want a fun, like goofy, <laughs> scary movie? This is it." And it ended, and she's like, "That was boring." And I was like, "Yeah, it was." I <laughs> don't find those two movies boring, I, and especially Resident Evil. I find like a real like thrill a minute. I think Mila Jovovich is is <laughs> you're wild. It's mostly walking through hallways, uh, but there's like well, first of all, there's the and amazing all of the cool hallway sequence. Get yeah, killed. Where, no, but I thought that was great. Where you like you're thrown for a loop. I thought first of all, Michelle Rodriguez and Mila Jovovich are both badass in this, and you don't get to see a ton. Of, I guess at that time you didn't get to see a ton of like real badass female like action stars like that. And I don't know, it's just it still scares me to this day. And I love where it ends too. I just love the whole kind of like cliffhanger ending. And I have to, and like the second one for me, I hate the second one. So I am like the I complete love reverse the of second you. One so I would much. say the first one's my favorite. The third one. Scary? The first one? It's mostly walking down hallways and that big room was a bunch of fog in it. I don't know. People like people have gotten angry at me for saying I hurt the first I hate the first one and love the second one. But I would I would do a sit-down test with you, Mark, where we can I will watch that movie again with you. I want to see that joy in your face and see if I can leech okay. off of well, it. Well, I mean, I watched it again like last year and I had a lot of joy on my face. So, I mean, <laughs> in a year from now, it's time for Resident Evil. But I, I did a marathon with my pals. We watched oh, all yeah? of them. Okay. And we all hated the first one. Really? Like it just, wow. Yeah. It, okay. it, it killed us. Well, you know what? And we love the second one, though. <laughs> I would definitely like to sit down with you and watch the second one because I admittedly haven't seen the second one since it first came out oh, and I watched it it's, on video. It's so beautifully cheap. And uh, set in Toronto and lame, but also filled with fun stuff. Like at one point, uh, the guards are like, "Put drop the gun!" And Mila Jovovich is like, "Okay." She drops it, and she's so fast she can pick it up before it hits the ground, and she dives to the ground. And uh, fires. I, you know, I do remember that. You know what? I, I you will believe the nemesis monster can cry. One lone tear rolls down his cheek at one. Okay. Point. Okay. <laughs> I'd be willing to give it another shot because I, I think I just I remember hating it when I first saw it. And but I don't I can't tell you exactly why I hate it other than just like a general maybe cheapness about it that I felt. But oh, I mean, it is very cheap. Yeah. But again, like but I agree with you on the third one. The third one I could take or leave. I just thought it was kind of boring. So oh, the fifth one is crazy. It's like a video game breaking uh, where it's like all the characters from all the previous movies show up, including some characters from the video games. <laughs> and there's also like dead snow style zombie Nazis riding yeah, around. I do want to like catch buggy. up with the series. I didn't stop because I, because I didn't like it anymore. I just kind of didn't see the fourth one at the time. And then I fell behind. So I would like to catch up with this and Is complete. the sixth one there's the six final right one? Or? Yeah, there's six. Yeah, there's the, six. Yeah. Yeah. The sixth one was called the final chapter. Yeah, so she I mean, doesn't even not, die in it. What a ripoff. <laughs> not that that means anything. I'm sure they're working on another Resident Evil right now. Actually, aren't they work? Aren't they? Don't they have that monster hunt movie coming out soon? Yeah, or? they do. No, there's a reboot of Resident Evil. And they're like, we're actually going to adapt the games now instead of just weird random parts of the game. <laughs> well, I, I will say maybe part 
part of my love for the first one too comes from my my love of the uh, soundtrack featuring both Slipknot and Marilyn Manson. So I mean, what did was, I watch recently that, that had a crazy new metal sound? Oh, Torque. Mm, what a soundtrack! Oh man, yeah, that Torque is. has a wild soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> Nickelback oh, over the credits. <laughs> Soundtracks for like <laughs> action horror movies in like the early two thousands were very very good. <laughs> oh. You know what? It was a great soundtrack. Universal Soldier, Ooh, The Return. Okay, it's yeah. all new metal over every oh, action totally. scene. Yeah, I feel like there were about Queen of the Damned had a great like new metal oh, soundtrack. Yeah. Queen of the Damned is the yeah, most famous yeah. one. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff in the early 2000s. So moving on to the classic section, we got Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, the Jim Jarmusch film. Yeah, it's good. Listen, you film nerds, you, we, we all like it. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I do genuinely love this movie. This is probably one of my favorite Jim Jarmusch movies. Just got such a cool vibe. You know? I would agree. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Forrest Whitaker is like a great in the lead. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the Criterion, I mean, this has been begging for a Blu-ray upgrade for years. I mean, we all kind of knew Criterion was going to put this out, um, but the package is really nice too. And they've actually included along with the booklet, a little like a tiny little booklet of the samurai code thing that he carries around. So that's cool. I mean, yeah. I like that. Man, uh, Criterion's really been getting into those feelings they have, recently. Yeah. No, this is a big one. The book's really thick in this too. They put a lot of stuff You know in what? It. It's because of their Criterion channel. They need to make it a value addition to people who buy the physical media totally yeah it's just so easy to just get the criterion channel and not buy discs anymore but you shouldn't do that you should not do that (laughs) (laughs) because they could disappear disappear. from the criterion channel like a lot of stuff does uh and just as much love as ghost dog has moonstruck of of course course. and you know what this is also selling very very well so i mean i can't uh, i can't hate (laughs) on norman jewison he's just coming into the just (laughs) keeps buying more and more copies um i like this film you know um it's not you know i don't like it as much as other people like it i guess but it's fun yeah it's fun movie um i I feel like i had to be there when it came out yeah exactly you know and i'm a diehard nick cage fan and this isn't one of my favorite nick cage movies or anything but um but he's charming in it and he's got a lot of chemistry new favorite nick cage movie coming up yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh man norman jewison is nice 94 years old and he's still kicking eh wow All right. supposedly. supposedly i mean is someone like weakened a burning him at this point because <laughs> i haven't heard an interview or anything with him in a yeah. long long well, time well i remember we talked about him maybe like a couple months yeah, ago right did. and about like when was the last time he made a movie like what is he doing now yeah where are you norman where are you we also have uh rio grande what from olive the signature edition back Back from the dead they so i guess olive only puts out signature signature edition Mm blu-rays now which are basically new editions of movies they've already put out on blu-ray but loaded with special features which is not usually the norm for olive so these are actually really nice editions and yeah this is their latest foray into that it's usually been kind of like classic western stuff like this that they've been focusing uh, on. and this is like i said a john ford film never heard of this one <laughs> john wayne's in More it john wayne and you know My God. neither of us care Did, about like, john, the john wayne. ford estate just like let all the rights <laughs> out there's so many that have been coming I out i know lately. i know but People love their John Wayne and their John Ford still. So, and we also have the you know. big uh, Peblum epic Ulysses being released by Kino. Uh, I know this one stars Kirk Douglas. And uh, <laughs> it. I know it mostly because Mario Bava did some special effects. And so did Eugen Schuftan, the uh, German cinematographer. I did not know that. I just know this film has been very popular over the years. Uh don't really care for Kirk Douglas, though, I have to admit. So. Kirk, Kirk Douglas, why not? 
other know. than probably being well, a terrible than... person that uh, may have sexually assaulted Natalie Wood. Yeah, definitely assaulted. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, I think it's just hard. I was never, I, I guess I never was exposed to him too much as a child. So I never had this like affinity for him. And it's just too hard for me to reconcile like the man with like these great so-called great performances of his i don't know he just kind of so comes good in ace in the hole though you ever see that movie you know i haven't seen it so i still haven't seen some of his classics. did stuff, you ever so. see uh the bad and the beautiful i have i do like him in that that's probably the oh, one really film where i actually he's a big jerk just yeah, like in real no, life. he's perfect playing like a jerky hollywood producer do you know when he did his cameo on the simpsons he or like a supporting role he refused to do more than one line reading <laughs> that sounds very kirk douglas even though if you listen to the episode you wouldn't know okay. like they're all kirk douglasy yeah i mean he's a pro right <laughs> yeah he's a pro uh so we also have the wonders of aladdin i've never heard of this one it's supposedly uh co-directed by mario baba which is why anybody would check it out yeah that's kind of the only notable thing i can uh see about this one uh also never heard about this film but you know i'm sure it probably has a tim lucas commentary right if it's a kino release <laughs> i think you're right yeah. <laughs> yeah uh we also have kino putting out dragnet <gasps> my favorite dan Aykroyd. and wait a minute 1954's dragnet yeah yeah that dragnet Dragnet was already put out by Shout Factory many moons ago, I think. Yeah, I remember oh, they put yeah. out an edition of that. This is the uh, theatrical film Dragnet, which uh, I think kicked off this. I don't know if it kicked off the series or it was done after the series. You know what? Series. I feel like it was a radio play before. Potentially, yeah. Uh, that's because it's very verbal and uh, bass. So that's one of the reasons. I don't know. We don't need to get into the history of Dragnet. Who knows? Yeah, this is the theatrical film Dragnet from 1954, though, with Jack Webb, I believe. So, uh, yeah, again, not really been available at all. It's mostly just been like the TV show uh, that's been available. So for all you noir heads or Dragnet fans, check this one uh, out. We also have uh, Rito Hayward's The Ultimate Collection from Mill Creek. You know, I make fun of them writing The Ultimate Collection. I like to point out every Gold Ninja video disc has The Ultimate on it, but I use it jokingly. You know, Ultimate is just a great word to use for uh, physical media and Mill Creek goes hard on The Ultimate Collection sets. Even though, yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily the ultimate Rita Hayworth movies that are on this set, but uh, you still Wait a, a minute, the lady from Ch Shanghai is on this set? Is that in the public domain? Is that why everybody keeps putting it out? Well, Mill Creek, definitely. Yeah, they have some rights to that. I don't know if it's public domain, but they put out the first Blu-ray of that before Didn't we got... did all the films uh, put out one that was like a special edition? No, some company uh, did. Indicator did. We imported the UK version, which is like a really nice special edition. But before that, Mill Creek put it out on Blu-ray for the first time with like no extra. Is this a Blu-ray or DVD set? Uh, it's both, actually. So we also have When Nighthood Wasn't Flower. Mmm, sounds sexy. Oh, no, 1922 silent film. <laughs> <laughs> 1922. <laughs> Apparently, this is a lush, one of the first epic movies, epic uh, costume dramas ever oh, made. Oh, epic yeah. movies. My I favorite, know. like disaster exactly. movie and date movie. <laughs> yeah, not like that. An epic costume drama, I believe, with Marion Davies. Wait, wait, wait. 1922. This is not the first epic costume drama. I know. <laughs> they were made in like the 1910s. <laughs> I know. That's how they're selling it on the back. That's how the folks at Undercranked are selling this. Again, though. that sounds like a sexy company name. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Even though I, that know. I know that it actually indicates, you know, undercranking a film, which would be bad. Don't do that if you're running a silent film. <laughs> <laughs> we also have, uh, speaking of silent, Waxwork from Flickr Alley. Oh, God, they're so expensive. <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful package. You know, it's their latest, you know, big 
you know, big package, silent film package of a really, really classic silent film here. So, yeah, they are pricey for sure, but at least you're kind of getting your money's worth in terms of extras and just like a really $50 nice restoration. $50 worth of my money? Yeah, I don't know. So I feel like silent film fans have money to burn. Oh, yeah, because they destroyed the economy for anybody uh, our age. So. You got it. <laughs> That's where it's all the money's being funneled people. into these Flickr Alley Blu-rays. Now, I understand the restorations of these are probably pretty expensive, even though I feel like companies like Flickr Alley often get them from international sources. Yeah. Uh, and then you see, like, you know, Kino puts out a lot of uh, silent films for, like, half the price. So, I mean, they don't necessarily need to be that expensive. But, you know. So, no excuse. Every time I think a <laughs> Flickr Alley title won't sell, it's flying off the shelf. Oh, there you though. go. All right. So, I mean, Flickr Alley, if you would like me to review your disc, please send them to me at P.O. Box. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk wonderfully about I don't know you, about Flickr that, Alley. but I will talk. All right, so moving on, we have Grace of My Heart <laughs> uh, from Scorpion. This is an odd one because it's the Allison Anders movie, yeah. right? Yeah, it is a bizarre choice for them um, because they're usually putting out, you know, at least the stuff we get from Scorpion is really bottom of the barrel 80s cult comedy stuff. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty notable 90s indie film from Allison Anders, who was pretty big at that time. Uh, this was, like, I think her follow up to Gas Food Lodging, which is a huge Sundance Whoa, hit. I knew that. Leanna Douglas was in this, but I didn't know it also had Matt Dillon and Eric Stoltz. There are no stars in the sky, for they are right? all in the film. It's all the indie <laughs> film stalwarts of the 1990s in this one. Oh, uh, poor Eric Stoltz. I know. I really liked him, <laughs> you know? And then, where is he these days? Yeah, where is Eric Stoltz I think that days? he said he didn't want to act anymore. I have a feeling he probably directs a lot of television, if I had to take a guess. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I feel like I've seen his name on uh, episodes of TV in the last mm. oh, decade indeed he or does. So. He acts in Madam Secretary, and he's also directed 19 episodes. He also directed two movies in 2017, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Freak and Class Rank. Wow, I've not heard of either of those. I had no idea he was directing films. That's odd. I thought you would have heard of that, considering you I have thought to... so too, yeah. That's weird. All right. One day I want to see that sweet Eric Stoltz Back to the Future footage. I know, right? That'll One prompt day. an we extra can hope. DVD Blu-ray release. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know it's under lock and key somewhere, just ready to be put out. Oh, I know. I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. Uh, like, Robert Zemeckis said they didn't because they didn't want to embarrass Eric Stoltz. Which is a harsh burn. <laughs> that is pretty harsh. <laughs> There's like a Poor couple Eric of Stoltz. seconds of footage in a Blu-ray release that came out a, a bunch of years ago, but that's pretty much it. I I don't know. That's Stoltz heads here. I need I need uh, my Mr. Stoltz Jealousy fits. himself. Yeah, you know, Mr. Jealousy's fun. I, I quite quite enjoy. Yeah, where's the Blu-ray? Oh, on it's that? a good movie. Yeah, I agree. We also have uh, Mission Impossible, the original TV series. Oh, you know, Mr. Jealousy. I feel like Criterion will probably put it out at some point. Or Kino? I mean, Noah Maybe Bombas Arrow? got that in with Criterion. So I would say, like, if Criterion can do it, they will do it. But, yeah, it's just a rights yeah, issue. Yeah, they got to put the uh, film that Noah Bombach shot with the extra money, 8-Ball. Did you yeah, see that one? It's Highball, yeah. Is it you know, I've never oh, seen that. We, we go, do yeah. have a rental of it at the store, and I've always been intrigued. So Mission Impossible, the original TV series. Yeah, first time on, first time on Blu-ray. So, I mean, that's all there Sweet. really is to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Super popular show, though. This is always sold on DVD. So if you want that sweet Blu-ray upgrade, it's nice, nice we little box set, too. We also have McShane, Winner Takes All, and 
final roll of the dice. This is a, a film series starring Kenny Rogers. Yes, that Kenny Rogers as John J. Jack McShane, who uh, is a detective in a pair of Sin City set mystery <laughs> movies. Yeah, this looks too funny. We almost should have picked this for the blind buy this week, honestly. Uh, I feel like <laughs> if I had known it existed, I would have yeah, picked it for the you know blind what? buy. I was just looking through the list today and I'm like, wow, you know, we really missed we really missed the uh, mark on this one. Uh, it's got a hilarious cover with Kenny Rogers just kind of looking at you. Um, I don't know. I had no idea he did TV movies in, I guess, the 80s this was or early mm. 90s. Oh, I thought um, it was new. I thought it was like Tom Selleck, those endless Jesse no, Stone movies think, that come out. Or I think it's the 90s, I believe, and it just hasn't come out, I guess. Or maybe it did. Yeah, 94 these came out. So I guess they both aired. Oh, Terry O'Quinn's in one of them. That's interesting. I feel like these could be really entertaining in, you know. A funny way. Or boring. You never know. Could go These either way. These feel like they Kenny. were probably backdoor pilots, I would say, that didn't yeah, get picked up. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. It just seems like this is a spoof, right? Like, from the title. <laughs> <laughs> Winner takes all. Shane. Oh, they have very funny, like, VOD-style cover. Oh, man, I'm looking here on Letterboxd. Winner takes all has one review, half a star. Oh, <laughs> come on. And final roll of the dice. No reviews. We could have been the first. I could have been. Whoa, look at this cast. Kenny Rogers, Michael McKee. What? <laughs> yeah. Playing a character called Ozzy Evans. Wow. Well, it looks like they're both on Tubi as well. So uh, maybe we can uh, check these ones out. Ugh, it was directed by E.W. Swackhammer, which is a great name. But he just did a bunch of shitty TV movies like um, the Spider-Man TV show from the 70s and the um, Jim Varney film The Rousters. Ah, right. Wow. And also a TV show called McLeod. McShane, McLeod. Who is this guy? Uh, it's all up there. <laughs> so moving on, we have The Prairie trilogy being released by metrograph a series of documentaries take it away mark <laughs> so yeah i dug into this one a little bit because it's really hard to find information on any of these films uh on the front cover it says the directors were nominated for an oscar or something but i don't think it was for any of these films because you can't even really find them on imdb uh but they are a trilogy of short documentaries made in the late 70s early 80s uh, about basically uh, unions coming to uh, prairie workers in the early 1900s. Um, I watched one of them or started watching one of them. I have to admit they are a little dry for sure. <laughs> they are definitely like your kind of like educational type documentaries that you would watch in school or something on a slow day. Although there's kind of like they're kind of set like it's like archival footage and photos with like uh, a gentleman reading who was a labor organizer uh, <laughs> reading poetry over it. It's it's super. Oh, no. Yeah, it, it's a little dry, but you know, it's I kudos to Metrograph for continuing to mine this like really obscure esoteric documentary stuff. So you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Take a chance on the Prairie Trilogy. For most people, yeah, after that sell yeah, of it. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I, I really want – I took this home last night and I'm like, I'm really going to watch this. I'm going to sell it on the podcast tomorrow. And then I got like 15 <laughs> minutes into the one of them. I was like, oh, man, I'm starting to fall asleep here a little bit. You know, you're like, oh, I need, I need to pick me up. So maybe you watch what is being released by Shout Factory – Twins! Twins! Oh, I, I didn't have to watch this. I, I've watched this many, oh, many this a time in my youth. Not yeah. funny. 
Not funny. This is actually probably my least favorite of the Schwarzenegger comedies that he made in the 90s. Um, yeah, I don't know. This one should be – even when I was a kid, I don't think I really found this one funny. I much preferred Kindergarten Cop Ivan and Ivan Reitman is but... not a very good director. I know I would be struck <laughs> by assassins no. for saying that. Um, but, like, he's got Ghostbusters, Half of Stripes, uh, yep. Cannibal Girls. Uh some software yeah, pornography that he made. No, I agree with me with you. I, I've never really found Ivan Reitman all that great. Wait, I'm looking at his uh, meatballs. And that's it's all right. Yeah, meatballs is fun. I do. I do, I do have like a soft meatballs. spot for Kindergarten um, Cop. It's not a tumor. I know that's my favorite. I would say of the Schwarzenegger Reitman collabs, because uh, he did Junior too, right? Did he not? Yeah, Junior. You know, I, I think Junior's funny, but doesn't totally kind of gets boring after a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know with him. I just, Father's Day. Wow, I remember seeing Father's Day in theaters. I'm looking here. Look at this run of movies. Evolution. My Super Ex-Girlfriend. No Strings Attached. Uh, The other uh, Friends of Benefit movie. (laughs) Draft Day. And that's it. He's like, I've said everything I need to say. Oh, wow. I forgot he did Six Days, Seven Nights. Did you ever see that? (laughs) No. That Harrison Ford, Anne Hesch movie where they're like stranded on a deserted island. Yeah, I saw that theaters when it came out. Holy shit. Eagle Eagles. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really care about Ivan Reitman. So, and I can't, Twins, I'm not sure why Twins is the one getting the shout select treatment. Does here. it have any special features or has it been treated like the uh, Being John Malkovich Blu-ray? Yeah, I think it's a, oh, you mean the adaptation Blu-ray? Yeah, I think it's a kind of a bare bones affair. I think there there might be a commentary on oh, it. Oh no! Shout select has turned into Kino Studio. I don't know. Classics. Yeah, that's the weird thing, right? I much I would have much rather seen them do like a Kindergarten Cop special edition or something if they were gonna do that instead of Twins. But I don't know. I guess people like Twins. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you it's know, like maybe we're Danny DeVito's short. On this. Arnold Schwarzenegger's tall. It's funny. They're <laughs> twins, right? That's like the entire movie. There's hey, like we're still holding out for triplets with Eddie Murphy. I know, I know. Remember when that was going around? <laughs> still Hilarious. on an IMDb. Still on pre, yeah, still in pre-production. The other thing with Twins is I feel like it's very long. Too, oh, it is. It's remember. very long. Yeah, it's an hour and forty-seven minutes, which doesn't sound long, but it feels long. So we also have the original Kings of Comedy. It's the stand-up special directed by Spike Lee. Uh, which has Steve Harvey, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, and Bernie a- Bernie Mac. Yeah, uh, and I think D.L. Hewley yeah, is DL the Hewley's other there too. in this. Yeah, uh, making its Blu-ray debut here from Paramount. I mean, I'm not sure if this was necessarily that pressing to get this on Blu-ray, but, you know, uh, uh, these guys this were This used to haunt the, the DVD bargain bins <laughs> everywhere. Oh my god, I know, right? <laughs> but, you know, the fact that Spike Lee directed it brings a certain level of cachet to it, I guess. Uh, it's just funny that Steve Harvey was like, where Steve Harvey was there and who like Steve Harvey is now is just such like a drastically different thing. But uh, stand-up fans out there? So we also <laughs> have The Croods making its UHD debut, the DreamWorks animated film Hell about yeah. Caveman. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it moving on. Oh, wait, no, it's this week's Blind Buy! Blind Buy! <laughs> 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 we decided to uh, go in a very different direction this week. <laughs> yes, and especially since neither of us have Ultra HD players, this is a this is definitely a unique Blind Buy. Yeah, <laughs> since neither Mark was of us like, can actually a play lot this of DTV disc, stuff but, you know, <laughs> we have, we have. But the blind buy has basically be- started to become the the DTV focus. So you know, yeah, we're trying to move it away. Yeah, we want to speak to uh, the families out there. I mean, DreamWorks animated films 
I don't know, man. That's a that's like the Ice Age and the Shreks and the robots and the Shark's Tales. Yeah, basically. Actually, they made How to Train Your Dragon, which I really like. They as did, well. and that was from one of the co-directors of yep. this, Chris I believe, Sanders. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a little surprised. Honestly, I never saw this at the time since my main man Nicolas Cage is the lead voice in this. Uh, I'm along... surprised I didn't see it because I really liked How to Train Your Dragon. This came in pretty close. It did. Proximity yeah, I think it that. came out right after that. Um, I, did. I think I was like, oh, caveman comedy. No, thank you. Geico or bus. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was kind of the same for me. Even with Nick Cage's presence, I just kind of like saw the trailers and the premise just didn't really do it for me. So I just, it just kind of came and went and then I never really saw it. But now there's a sequel out, which I guess is why this is getting me. Is it me out Ultra or HD. is it coming out? Uh, it's Oh, it's coming out this week or I guess when, it, when this... Uh, Oh. goes up It'll oh that's be... why this uhd is dropping you know what so watching this movie uh i was surprised at how colorful it was and i thought that was fun and i really enjoyed the chuck jones style energy to it all it did it had a frantic kind of energy um and yeah i definitely thought it looked like yeah visually it looks pretty appealing although i have to admit i'm not the biggest fan of that kind of 3d animation i just feel like it looks pretty similar to a lot of other like you say like dreamworks blue sky they type try movies to ma- they try to like do a thing where like the camera is handheld a lot i don't like that <laughs> like it's, it feels weird so yeah. yeah the look of it you know it, it's definitely eye-popping i guess if you see it on the big screen didn't didn't do a ton for me i guess <laughs> on your uhd yeah trip. i know when i fired up my ultra hd player <laughs> um but yeah i I don't know. Honestly, this movie didn't do much for me at the end of the day. Yeah, you don't watch animated stuff like yeah, this. So. It was just like too it was like strictly for kids, this one for me. I, I don't know how you felt. I, I didn't get a ton. It wasn't like a kids movie that can also appeal to adults for me. It was just like kind of a flat out kids well, movie. I'll say this. There are not that many pop culture references. No, and that was refreshing. Which yeah. is Yeah, uh DreamWorks saying it had a high energy, which I enjoyed. I'm trying to think of some gags from it and nothing really comes to mind, which is not a good sign. And yeah, see, that's the problem is when I look at, I watched this a few days ago now and I'm trying to think back on it and I'm like, I don't really, none of it really stuck with me that much. I mean, I do remember thinking for a lot of it that I kind of just wished it was a live action movie with Nick Cage playing a caveman <laughs> uh, because his voice is obviously very Nick cage you know, and I just would have... I, I gotta say, he is not a good voice actor. Like, there's there's like a weird distance to it. No, I agree. I much would I would have much rather seen this as a live action movie with him. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's just so obviously Nick Cage in that voice role that it almost takes you out of it a little bit and then you know they've got a weird voice cast i mean it also has uh ryan reynolds emma stone and katherine keener is in it uh oddly and some other people so I think. But, would not recommend yeah, i don't know I, this is the, one of the few blind buys i really haven't had don't really have much to say about this one <laughs> then yeah i mean i guess if you're a fan of animation <laughs> go for it <laughs> You know what movie I always think about of like weird animation that I have never saw and probably never will see is Surf's Up. Remember that movie? Surf's Up. You know, it doesn't have Shia LaBeouf in it, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And it's like shot like a documentary was like its big gimmick. Yeah. You know what? I think I've actually seen Surf's Up. I'm going to look it up. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually seen Surf's Up. I watched this for some reason. 
because I think, yeah, it was nominated for an Oscar for Best oh, Animated no, Feature that year. Oh, no, one of those people. And I remember that year, yeah, it was that year, I tried to make a point of seeing every single movie that was nominated for an Oscar. It was the only year I ever did this, and that's why I watched Surf's Up, and I don't remember anything <laughs> about it. So. so moving on, Mark, take it away, because we're going into the new, 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 new section. New, 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 All right, well, starting things off, we've got the movie that has the... Uh, I don't know. The it wins the medal for being the first movie to come out when theaters reopened after yeah, COVID. Yeah, you'd have to be unhinged to see unhinged it. Unhinged to see unhinged in a theater. Um, you know what? I'm going to admit I quite enjoyed this film. I have to say it is it's a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it's basically kind of like a falling down ripoff, uh, but with Russell Crowe as like just an unhinged guy who has road rage and basically chases after a woman and her son the whole movie for some perceived I heard slight. that it was uh, at once too mean and not crazy enough. What, what, what do you say about that, Mark? I was expecting that. I wasn't expecting to get much out of it because I'd heard that same thing, but I actually thought it was pretty I mean, it's definitely mean, but in a way that I kind of liked. And it, it was certainly crazy enough for me. Like, there are some brutal kills in this movie with people. I do love big old Russell Crowe. You know, and Russell Crowe, I don't usually like Russell Crowe, but I have to admit he is more engaged in this performance than I've seen him in a long time. And I I didn't really like him in The Nice Guys. I know everybody liked him in that, but I just uh, thought he was... so good in The Nice Guys. I don't know. I just find him kind of boring in that, but I didn't really care for that movie i don't know he was really into this performance i mean yeah it's definitely over the top i wouldn't say it's like something that he's gonna should win oscars for or something but it's the kind I mean, of like he may <laughs> it's yeah and it, who knows i mean it's the kind of go for broke genre movie performance that i personally really like and he just won't let up it's like one of those movies where he becomes like the boogeyman he's just like in this car he's ready to like pounce around every corner and down every alleyway it's just like it's hilarious how this movie's laid out. And like I said, the kills are brutal in it. He runs people down like you've never seen. And it's filled with car chases that are all like real cars and real stunts and on real highways, which was really refreshing to me because usually I'm, I'm just used to seeing car chases and stuff now, especially in like Fast and Furious movies, which are like just CGI'd and that really doesn't do it for me. But this is like all real car stunts. So that was frankly pretty impressive. Uh, it's got a really like dark look to it i think they all shot it in uh, louisiana uh in small towns that are all it's all kind of like industrial small towns um they use the setting really well and there's just like a really good sense of attention it's kind of like you know a duel or something if duel was like way more vicious and mean and nasty I, and you know it worked for me and it has a killer finale and when you know spoiler alert kind of when the lady finally kills russell crowe at the end because obviously you know it's gonna happen she has a great one-liner to kill him so um i would you know if you just want like a fun genre new genre movie i would highly recommend i think you're this. the only person that i know that has given it a full-throated recommendation everybody else is like eh, it's all right i wanted it to be more. yeah it's shocking because i didn't really maybe i just went in with lowered expectations i was just kind of expecting it to be oh no no i'm trapped between I the low know, expectations and the high expectations i was expecting of something a little more middle of the road uh more akin to a lot of like the dtv stuff we watch but i guess i was just surprised by one have slick it definitely has more of a budget it's slicker 
and just how like go for broke it is and how like nasty and vicious it is vicious it is i feel like it's definitely the kind of movie you would see more in the 80s and 90s but they don't really make anymore so i don't know for better or for worse it is what it is i mean i wouldn't look too hard into the politics of it because you know russell crowe's character is like a older white guy who's mad at the state of the world and the fact that he's like been left behind it's like one of those kind of characters so it is trying to do that falling down oh so it's a sequel to left behind yeah right um yeah basically (laughs) everyone went up to heaven except exactly right um but you know i don't think they dwelt i was so i was expecting it to be have kind of like questionable politics that might sort of ruin it but they don't really go into that too much but russell crowe is the villain he is the villain and that's big white guy and that's the thing so i don't really yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like it's just a really kind of solid genre film, and that's kind of all it's aiming mm. to be. From the director of the go- uh, from the director of the serious Jim Gaffigan movie, right? Which I'm actually way more intrigued to see now because I liked. This all right, one, so. so moving on, uh, the New Mutants is out. Oh no, it means the end of the world. This movie's finally out. Ah, ah, it's finally here. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll continue my streak of not seeing these boring X Men films that nobody <laughs> I likes. Know. I guess people are really excited about this, but no, I don't nobody. Know. Everyone who saw it is like, eh, it's just it's bad. Fine, yeah, like, well, yeah, it's not good. Moving on then. And we've got Westworld season three. I uh, don't watch Westworld, but I know this is very popular. Westworld's still going. Yeah, it's still going. Uh, People really love that first I season. Know. I mean, I love the original movie, but like, I don't know. Oh, Do the we, original movie's so, so good. good. Do we need three seasons of a show? I what don't I, know. I watched and, the, I think I watched the pilot. It's weird I didn't get into this. This is this is the kind of stuff I like. It, I don't know. Too serious? Too too tricky like it's like ha ha like the first season the twist which is like oh okay <laughs> right. i read like one blog post somebody guessed it so all right well it's still going i hear aaron paul is in season three and oh, it's is like he? in future world or uh, yeah something okay. like that oh if they incorporated future world into it now i don't know I something don't know. like or it's just like the present <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, I've said I don't know three times. The I don't know man is going to come out of the mirror. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, All right. We got Kidding Season 2. Uh, which What's kidding? kidding? is the Jim Carrey show, which I said I was going to start watching at one point, and then I still haven't. Uh, <laughs> still, <laughs> still going. going. Season two's here. Uh, I mean, I love Jim Carrey. I heard this show was really good. Uh, I don't know if Season 2 is as well-loved as Season 1, because I know he got a bunch of nominations and all that for Season 1, but... Yeah, the show's still on. Uh, otherwise, more TV news. We've got the Comey Rule, which is the uh, Jeff Daniels, Brendan Gleeson <gasps> wait, oh, no. Showtime series. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Did you watch I this? I did not, Because no. it's your man who directed it, Mr. Shattered Glass oh, himself. Oh, it's Billy Ray. Well, I uh, definitely must have missed that because I do like Billy Ray. Shattered Glass is quite masterful. Uh, I don't know. Do I need to see Brendan Gleeson playing Donald Trump? Uh, no. Uh, I I, supposedly, but... Donald Trump is very funny, but I don't want to see a movie from Comey's perspective. Like, what the hell? Right? Like, I don't know. This just feels like some bullshit for boomers, honestly. But I, yeah, I don't know. People seem to like this. And, you know, huh, Jeff Daniels. Billy Ray wrote Richard Jewell. He did, right. Yeah, I mean, he's more of a screenwriter, right, than a director, I think, traditionally. So. Yeah, other than Shattered Glass and Breach and Secret in Their the Eyes. Breach, yeah, which I, which I like. Billy which Ray like. is like a journeyman uh, hack screenwriter. Listen to these credits. Color of Night. Right. Uh, Volcano. Hearts War. Suspect Zero. Volcano. Flight oh, Plan. Suspect Zero. The Holy. first Hunger Games. 
Captain Phillips? He wrote that? Oh, right. Yeah, I remember he wrote that. Gemini Man. That must have been a real early draft. Yeah. Overlord and Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, he was in, wow. Yeah, he's been involved in a lot. What a bunch I mean, of trash. Some of, those, some of those scripts I like, some are really terrible. Wow, Suspect Zero. That's a film I haven't thought about since I saw it. But, jeez. Uh, well, he's back and he's got an acclaimed TV miniseries. Which is the one where it's like Ryan Gosling or something, or Ben Foster is a serial killer. Oh, and that's... I'm blanking. Uh, oh, it, it's one word, isn't it? Like safe or something like that. Yeah. Isn't it Anthony Hopkins as it's well? A fracture. It's fractured. That's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That's a Gregory Hoblet joint, actually. Mm. The guy who made. Uh, isn't there like crazy, like imaginary scenes in that one? I, oh, yeah. You love Gregory Hoblet because he did Fallen. <laughs> yes, I like Fallen. I like Primal Fear. Uh, Ooh, I like Freak- War. Frequency. That too. I like, yeah. Uh, I didn't like Fracture though. I remember seeing that when I came out and. Just thought it was kind of boring but uh so what's anyways, next mark moving on uh we've got double jeff daniels this week because he's also in guest artist which is a christmas movie actually where he plays a down on his luck playwright or something who goes oh, to a no. small town to mount his play and it's during christmas and are you asleep yet or no yeah know. yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. For all you Jeff Daniels completists out there, we got two Jeff Daniels on the wall this year, this week. So come it's on in for that, I guess. It's directed by Timothy Busfield. It is, right. I forgot that was the, I guess, the big get about it. I don't know. I, I don't know. Busfield. I guess I, I'm looking at someone. He's like in Revenge of the Nerds, Field of Dreams, 30-something yeah, in the West Wing. Yeah. Couldn't spot him in a lineup, though. No, I know. He's just one of those names that I always see but don't really it know It looks much like he was a him. big West Wing guy. Yeah, he was on the show from 1999 to 2006. Yeah. Anyway, so he's directed a movie with Jeff Daniels, and it's Christmas. So if you need a new Christmas movie, well, I don't know. speaking of Jeff Daniels, it makes me think of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketch where Jeff Daniels is the guest, <laughs> and they keep throwing to the clip of him shitting his pants. Right, <laughs> and that's Dumb and the Dumber. whole sketch. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good sketch. So that's definitely his shining moment as an actor. So I mean, what's twenty sixty seven being 20... released this week from RLG? It is a generic sci fi movie starring uh. Cody Smith. McPhee and Ryan Quantin. So moving on, we've got <laughs> yep. uh, after we've got two films here based on very popular teen fiction books. Uh, after we collided, which is the sequel to a movie called After, which came out last year or the year before. Which, from what I understand, is kind of like a Fifty Shades of Grey for teens or something <laughs> but like, like do it minus, safe sex kids i don't know it's like about a g- teen girl who falls in love with a guy with a dark past or something Whoa. i don't know apparently these movies are very popular but i don't know anything about them and then we've got words on bathroom walls which is a another teen movie <laughs> for about, a good time yeah called. it's about a kid with a disability uh, who gets a who has a mental disability and he's you know trying to impress a girl uh it's another one of these like teen with a disability love story movies um yeah moving on we've got this will be one that you like another world war ii drama called summerland yeah this is a british film with gamma arterton yeah i don't know another world war war ii film in a long time though i know i feel like it's been a while so yeah well here you go it's been a while (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, flashing back to the new metal soundtracks of the 2000s. 
Uh, then moving on, we've got, okay, here's a big one. We've got Relic, out, which just got nominated for a host of awards. At, I think the Gotham Awards, because nothing else is out this year. <laughs> the Gotham uh, Awards. I know, I know. People are talking about the Gotham Awards, and I'm like, is, that's, so that's an important award? I, I guess so. Uh, this is a horror movie that's been getting rave reviews this year. Uh, it's an Australian movie starring Emily Mortimer. And it's about dementia, about a woman with dementia and her daughter and granddaughter trying to take care of her. But, oh, maybe she's possessed. Maybe she's not. Uh, I don't know. This movie kind of didn't do much for me. Uh, have you didn't seen this? see it because I yeah. was like, uh oh, I feel like I know what it's going to be. You know what? You know like, what? I kind of felt yeah. that way when people were talking about what's the other movie that's kind of like this? I mean, well, there's we, so many. We talked about what? taking of Deborah Logan before that was kind of like this, exploring like dementia and possession and stuff. Uh, but I don't know if that's the no, one. No, no, no. I was um, thinking of uh, the one directed by Hereditary, where it's kind of like that bummer kind of stuff. And I didn't check it out for that reason. But Hereditary is so goofy that I enjoyed it. But I don't get the vibe. You know from what? This I'm one. just getting kind of. Uh, exhausted by this whole like elevated horror thing that they keep pushing in our faces because this is another one of those movies that's like it's it's like a horror movie but it's like it's more like a drama you know it's like a drama but we're better, but, we're better than horror movies like, yeah what I'm it's one of those horror movies that's like too good to be a horror movie so it's actually like a drama about dementia but like as somebody who personally has dealt with dementia because my grandmother had dementia for several years before she passed away and seeing like the real horrors of what dementia is it's nothing like what this movie purports it to be i don't know if the director has actual experience with dementia she may well but i mean they always seem to just conflate dementia and possession like ooh, is she does she have dementia or is she de- possessed by a demon and it results in this scenario in this climax where this woman is like running around the house shrieking like a demon and like a demon and that's not the horror of dementia to me if you're trying to make a serious movie about dementia this is not the way to do it and i also just feel like this movie is all slow burn to like no real uh payoff all the scares are like really minimal and vague and they're like kind of creepy but it never really gets terrifying it's just kind of it's it's more of this like Ari Aster elevated horror type thing where like whoa 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 I think that Hereditary again very goofy I agree I agree but I think it spawned a lot Midsommar no get that away from me no thank you I think you. it spawned a lot of these kind of movies that feel like they're like too good to be a regular horror movie so they have to like you know they they barely put the horror elements in there uh and I just I don't like the vibe that I get off of them. But, you know, I think that's just me because people seem to love this you movie. You think you're better than me? I know. You, you think, think you're better, better than, than me? me? Relic? Come on. You're not better than me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie just kind of bored me, honestly. But I mean, it looks nice. So I don't know. People <sighs> like it. So uh, moving on, we got Death of Me. What is that? This is the uh, new Darren Lynn Boozman uh, film. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know you're a fan of him. Uh, so this. You know what? I am a fan of him. I have a lot of his movies. I know you on are. DVD. Love his commentaries. I have The Baron. Right. I have uh, the U.S. Blu-ray of Mother's Day. Right. Because that one has a commentary and the Canadian one does not. I have The Devil's Car. 
Carnival wow. on Blu-ray. So you're a Darren Lynn Boozman aficionado here. So you must have seen <laughs> this that, one, right? With that, with that in mind, oh my God, the last few movies he oh, made have been terrible. Well, this so this bad. one in particular has kind of an intriguing plot. It stars Maggie Q and Luke Hemsworth, and it's about like a couple on vacation, and they wake up one morning and there's like a videotape that they watch of uh, the the husband killing the wife, I believe, which doesn't make sense because they're both alive and everything. That's a fun premise. Wait, so it's not about killer vines, as the cover would indicate? No, I know. It looks like it. Um, Fun premise, but it actually reminds me of another movie that was made about 15 years ago that basically has the exact same premise. It's called uh, Nightmare, and it was like an indie movie from – like an indie-American movie. Uh, basically about film students who uh, the guy wakes up one day and he again finds a videotape of himself killing another classmate even though there's like no evidence that this happened or anything that's a really cool movie so i would su- highly suggest checking that nightmare out. it's got uh, a just by really saying the title gonna have to hit it with i know a it's got a really <laughs> generic title uh i'm gonna look it up right now it is to see what year it's from i think it was like 2006 yeah so it's from 2005 uh it's about yeah film student who uh basically wakes up finds like a tape and it's a movie of him killing another classmate and although it never happens the classmate is still alive and it becomes this like weird sort of like meta horror movie that i would highly highly recommend it's from a director named dylan bank who i don't think really went on to do anything but uh Uh, he made get me roger stone oh no way really Yeah. <laughs> all right, then. All right. Well, I would suggest that instead of Death of Me, which probably isn't very good. Uh, so, yeah, moving on to documentary land. we got a bunch of documentaries out this week, so I'll blaze through these. Uh, we've got The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, which everybody's been talking about this year. It's out in this nice limited collector's edition from ESPN uh, Blu-ray set. So, Dads for Christmas – this this oh, is perfect the perfect gift. Christmas gift right here. Uh, and then we've got Nomad in the Footsteps of Bruce Chatwin, which is the new Werner Herzog documentary, which I hear is really good. It chronicles Bruce Chatwin was an English travel writer, novelist, and journalist. So this chronicles him. Definitely, you know, prime fodder for Herzog. Uh, but yeah, I haven't gotten to this one yet. It's supposed to be very good. Uh, then we've got the Putin interviews, <laughs> which was Oliver Stone going to interview Vladimir Putin. Yes, it's the yep, Oliver this Stone. This is exactly bro. what you think it is. So uh, I heard so this was pretty um, unengaging, except for one moment when Oliver Stone uh, starts talking about Dr. Strangelove and Putin's like, never seen it. And then it cuts to them watching <laughs> you know, it. I would watch it just for that scene alone. That sounds hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, Putin, I mean, I don't know if you really want to watch Putin for like, four hours or something this is pretty long i think so i don't know i mean i like oliver stone's movies but i don't know if i need to sit see him sit down with putin i mean they're both assholes so maybe they get along well who knows uh and then we've got the kingmaker which is the new uh lauren greenfield documentary she made the queen of versailles and this was also this is also about uh a woman who has you know an inflated sense of self it's the former first lady of the philippines and her lavish existence even though you know she was responsible for many many vile things when her husband was in power uh so we got that one out uh we've got the longest war which is a another afghanistan documentary which takes a look at just basically how long this war has gone on and the toll it's taken on the people who actually live in Afghanistan. Uh, And then we've got 16 Shots, which is a documentary about the uh, 2014 shooting of uh, 17-year-old Laquan McDonald by a Chicago police officer and then the subsequent um, cover-up of that and everything that happened, uh, which is obviously very relevant in today's day and age. 
And we've got Aggie, which is about um, uh, the philanthropist and arts patron Agnes Gund, who champions uh, a lot of artists, underrepresented artists, female artists. Um, and so, yeah, this is a doc, another art documentary. This one's whoa, whoa, her. there's another documentary, The Donut King. The Donut King's here. This is a fun documentary, right? No, I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen it. Maybe it's dark. <laughs> yeah, no, this is about Ted Ngoy. I'm probably mangling his name. Uh, he was a com- Cambodian uh, American entrepreneur who uh, basically founded a chain of donut shops in California, and he was nicknamed the Donut King. So it's basically about his journey and about coming over from Cambodia and his support for refugees and things like that. So moving on from docs, we've got uh, Adults in the Room, which is the new Costa Gavras film. Uh, he makes pretty politically minded films, and this is based on the memoirs of Yanis Varou, Varou, uh, sorry, Varoufakis, who was a uh, Greek-Australian ec- economist who basically pushed back against the EU's like iron rule uh, back uh, five years ago or so. So this is kind of a uh, fictional recreation of that. Uh, then we've got The Gasoline Thieves, which is a new Mexican film uh, about a kid who's trying to impress a girl and then gets caught up with cartels. Uh, we've got Conviction, a new French film about a female lawyer who believes her client did not kill his wife. I did not do it, is what she screams. And <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know. I hope she screams that in it. You know, I hope. And then we've got uh, Secret Zoo, which is a Korean comedy about a guy who is who starts running a zoo that has sold off most of its animals. So I don't know. Could be fun. Could be, or it could be like that Matt Damon Zoo movie, which nobody liked. Who knows? We bought a zoo. <laughs> And then we've got Monstrum, which is a big, uh, also Korean, I believe, action horror movie. Um, yeah, it's a monster movie, yeah. as you can tell from the title. Have you seen this one? I feel like this is yeah, more I up your alley. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. I remember it being okay, but some people who have seen it have very much enjoyed it. So, And yeah, then fun. we've got some more Russian entertainment for you. <laughs> we've got The Icebreaker, which is another big Russian disaster movie. I don't know. The reviews I've read of this just say it's pure propaganda, like all these movies are. So I don't know, though, but these Russian... You know, you just slap disaster covers on these movies and people go for it. Well, it feels like this company or some companies have been picking up ones that have fallen through the cracks and putting them out as well. Yeah, I think it's mostly this one, ITN, which has also put out that movie Metro we talked about a couple weeks. So they've been putting out stuff over the last decade that I guess has fallen through the cracks and they're trying to package it like new movies. And then finally, we've got one more title to talk about here, and that would be Pater. (laughs) <laughs> oh not the blind buy not this week almost. although we considered it but then we thought we did we were doing too many dtv movies but we both watched this movie did we not well i watched 30 minutes of it and i went i got it yeah i watched about 30 minutes and then for the rest of it i had it on and then i was kind of doing other things because it's pretty boring this... so this guy the director has like a cottage industry of these kind of like crummy action films right he does yeah um I was, him and luke goss i know yeah are like brothers in arms luke goss is a guy i've never really gotten into i've always known about him i always like knew he was kind of like a dtv action star i knew he was in like some pop band when he was like younger um but i don't think i've ever actually seen i mean i guess i've seen him in the hellboy movie he was yeah you've seen him in seen blade 2 and blade 2 yeah so i've seen him in like i guess some of the bigger budget Father! stuff right. he plays the main vampire right guy of course but i don't think i think this is the first dtv action movie i've seen with him well you haven't seen Um, death race 2 or death race 3 inferno (laughs) 
Never saw any of those Death Race sequels. <laughs> I stopped at the Jason Statham one. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm looking yeah. at some of these covers, and they look exactly like every generic DTV cover ever made. Yeah, when I was looking through them, I definitely recognized a whole bunch of them. Like, oh, yeah, I remember when that, when I saw that one come out. And, oh, yeah, I remember the cover of that. But I've never actually watched any of these. And I think he does have a relationship with the director, Christian Sesma. They've done a bunch of movie, these kind of movies together. Uh, yeah, for they've me, done a lot yeah, together. For me, the selling point of this was Val Kilmer's presence because who doesn't love Val Kilmer, right? And he hasn't been um, in a movie for a long time for very exactly. clear reasons. Yeah, so he had a very serious bout with throat cancer, I believe, which actually had an op- – which forced him to have an operation which they removed a, a part of his throat and jaw, I believe, which is why he definitely looks a lot di- – his face looks a lot different now and his voice is definitely affected by that well, too. So- he, actually, he doesn't – I've seen videos of him and when he's been in public, he talks through like a voice box, you know, like the thing you hold up to your throat and it, and so I think he's dubbed in this movie. I think so too, because it definitely doesn't sound By someone else. like yeah. the Val Kilmer that you know you usually. And the voice is too smooth it is, as well. Yeah. And I did see him in one uh, movie he did post operation, uh, The Super, which was a pretty funny like DTV horror movie that he was in a couple years ago. Um, and in that, they also utilized the fact that he had the strain, the different kind of voice, but it definitely sounded more like the voice he was talking. He was usually talking in in that one whereas this definitely sounded like a totally different voice altogether so yeah i think you're right i think somebody dubbed him uh this movie i wish was uh, what do we got to say about this movie it looks ugly the action scenes aren't fun it's very like muddled it has you know you're in for a great time when the name of the characters pop up on screen like the brain well, that was what i was gonna say it was my biggest pet peeve about it i hate the whole like guy richie sort of like ripoff thing where they're like at this point here's, a, cr- here's a group years. of criminals i know and it's like people are still trying to make these guy richie movies and it's like yeah the brain you know the babe the brawn like there's that this is what these characters are named and it's got this whole like jokey kind of vibe to it but none of the jokes are funny i don't think i smiled like a single time in this movie so yeah luke goss is like fresh out of prison he's got like a criminal team they're trying to find some money that he had buried before he went in and val kilmer is some agent who's you know on their trail although val kilmer's not really in this movie much as you would expect you know uh, but it's mainly the Luke Goss show, and I don't know. What do you think about Luke Goss as an action he's star? Boring. He looks like all the other kind of bald guys. Yeah, he's like a Jason Statham, but less. You know, him with somebody else that's not Luke Goss. Now I can't think of who it is. He's I'm, got a familiar th- look. That's like not because I've seen Luke Goss in something. He definitely looks like somebody else, and I just can't place it. Um. But I don't know. It's just these I mean, movies. He, I mean, that's why he's in the Death Race movies because he kind of looks like Jason Statham. I just I prefer these DT, bad DTV action movies if they're played more straight faced because that way they're just funnier to me. <laughs> this one is trying to do the whole winky winky thing, and that just makes it way way worse. Uh, I don't know. This was. Yeah, there's not not much to report on Speaking this one. Speaking of action either. movies, I mean, number one, this one too complicated. Make it simple. That's what people want. Yeah, number way two, too complicated. I did watch Beckman. Oh, you watched Beckman? And <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, because I watched it with some friends uh, on our usual Sunday night streaming party that nice. we have. And? You know what? Pretty fun. Pretty fun. Pretty right? fun. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have uh, to admit, yeah, Beckman's kind of blowing up a bit. I feel like I've seen another some guy who runs a podcast on Twitter. I followed. He watched it, and they did a thing uh, on big it. Big problem. It has no climax, which is very odd. It doesn't. Uh, I do love William Baldwin in it, though, as the crazy cult leader. And there, yeah. there's some really fun action scenes throughout. Was really clever choreography. Even though that I was watching it, I was like. This was shot on a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K, which is a camera that I have on a gimbal. And I could tell and I checked and I was like, yep, <laughs> you could have made Beckman. You could have made it. I could have made Beckman. How much of a John uh, Wick. If they had yeah. a bit of a better script, I think. I mean, the lead is so goofy, but he seems committed. So I'm He's into so it. so goofy. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, saw any of the behind the scenes uh, or the featurettes on it. Like he's really because he this guy produced it as well. I think he helped co-write it. And he's just so passionate about this movie and about the Beckman character. And it's like he definitely wants to make it his own like John Wick type universe. And yeah, I mean, you can tell how much of a John Wick. Oh, it's such a John Wick. They take direct plot points from John Wick. Um, But I just love the craziness of it and you're right they actually put effort into the action and i would say if you so, didn't know I mean, it was a christian film you wouldn't yeah, know no no i agree i think it's not yeah like i think i was saying at the time when we first talked about it the christian elements are definitely there but they're not as in your face as a lot of these pure flicks type movies that i've seen i mean this is a really low bar to uh get over but i was actually surprised at how uh, realistically, they portrayed the PTSD that the woman he has to save was suffering from. Yeah, it's not bad, right? <laughs> yeah, there's actually scenes where, like, she's like, listen, I can't take stuff from you. Like, it makes me feel bad because I was in that city. He's like, all right, you know, we just have to work through it as opposed to, like, just pray to God and it will heal everything, which is usually the shtick for this kind of movie. Yeah, I feel like they don't press it on you too much, which is, is refreshing. And I, I would probably say that this is potentially the best DTV action movie I've seen this year. Uh, uh, I think I would say I probably preferred Seized more than Beckman. Okay, I haven't seen Seized yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think you'd like it, but I mean... The novelty of it being, it's such a John it's Wick so ripoff. Jo- yeah, it's like they don't even try and hide the fact that it's a John Wick ripoff. It just... I think that if it had more of a climax, it just left a little bit of a bitter. Like the last 30 minutes, it doesn't build to anything. I know it doesn't really bother you, yeah. but uh, for me, I was like, <laughs> ah, come on, come on, man. Yeah. Um, and all my friends were like, that's it? Yeah, it does end really abruptly. And I feel like they're trying to set it up for like a sequel too by maybe leaving things open-ended. I do think they introduce way too many plot points in it as well. Like like they've got the whole William Baldwin's the cult leader thing, but then they also have the John Wick sort of like secret society of assassins. And I feel like those plot points don't really mesh if very well. If I had well, to, but... to take a guess, I think the ending, they ran out of money. That's the feeling I get. I would get that. Yeah, because it does end really kind of anticlimactically. uh, Daniel Baldwin has an underling that is seemingly going to fight Beckman, and then he just doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't do it. He kind of draws. I forgot about that. Kind of drops out of it. Yeah. Yeah, he he gets killed by Beckman, just like sitting in a chair. (laughs) But, you know, I just love... I love that they're trying to make this Beckman character happen. You know, I would... (laughs) You know what? It sounds like it'll probably happen. we'll see some Beckman sequels in the future. I'll be there for Beckman too. I'll be there for all the sequels, you know, because I do think this is this has the greatest chance out of all these pure flicks or just like Christian-y themed movies to cross over. You I know? was seeing a lot of like, how dare they call this a Christian movie? It's so violent kind of stuff. Yeah, I know, right? It's not. Oh, you know what? There is violence. Uh, it's pretty in it. goddamn it's, violence. It's, Somebody gets a drill. That's true. To the I eye. forgot about that. Yeah, there's definitely more violence in this than I've seen. Yeah, yeah in... God's Not Dead Part Two. Yeah, 
God's any still not Christian dead? movie recently. Yeah, right. I mean, there was that there was that Christian movie action movie with James Remar as like a priest who's like oh I don't know out what for that revenge. Is. Yeah, it's like in a world where like in a future world where they've uh, outlawed Christianity in the U.S. So it's like illegal. <laughs> oh, no! So he goes not on James like Remar. I know he goes on this like quest of vengeance. That was kind of violent too. I remember, but yeah, th- I would say this is more violent than that. So yeah. Beckman, uh, this is a, you know, a wholehearted recommendation for Beckman Beckman. here. (laughs) The Christian action movie. We still have it on the shelf here, ladies and gentlemen. uh, That's it for the Base Street Video Podcast. So, uh, as we said, uh, still open. Call or email if you want to make an appointment. We'll be doing this like this for the foreseeable future, at least for the next month and probably longer. But uh, we'll still be going strong and the product will still be rolling While you can't go uh, and browse the shelves right now you can listen to the basement video podcast know what all the new releases we will. are yeah we'll keep you informed about everything so until next week my name is justin DeClue. and i'm mark hansen keep on buying keep on renting these movies and many more are available at your local video <laughs> store specifically <laughs> just beckman right just beckman <laughs> buy beckman for all your friends and family for christmas <laughs> Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. So let's jump right in, starting with... And it's starting to look a little bit like Christmas out there. Maybe we'll have some recommendations, aka stuff you can't sell in the store that you're going to try to pawn off people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. basically well we should get them excited and uh calling or emailing you right from the get-go because you just looked and there wasn't any friday the 13th box sets left on amazon.ca what there were not um so if you were holding out on that friday the 13th set because you're like ah it's a little pricey i'm not sure amazon's got a bunch of copies whatever amazon does not have copies anymore unless you're looking for like third-party seller things so we still have about five to ten sets left on the shelf. So if you're looking for perfect Christmas gift or you just want to, like, get it before you miss out forever, then – or at least until the next time they get the rights together and release this. Uh, they may not. Like, the Halloween set came out and there hasn't been a reprint of that. So – and that was, like – feels like a decade ago. I know, right? So, yeah, we still got copies, people. So if you're – if you want this set, you better act quickly because they will not last long. And did you make a Christmas display – a to no one, because I know that you ordered a bunch of Christmas films. You know before what? As we speak, Toronto shut down. Yep, as we speak right now, the uh, the general manager of the store is putting together the Christmas section, even though nobody is stepping foot into the store. But <laughs> we're still doing it because we want to take photos of it. We want to splash it all over social media to show that yes, we still have a bunch of Christmas product. If you usually came down and picked a bunch of Christmas movies off of our shelves, we're still we still have that quantity. We just have to give it to you through curbside pickups. So, what is the movie that you? sell the most of every christmas uh christmas carol hands down <laughs> it all the 50s uh the alistair sim a christmas carol <laughs> that's wild i don't understand like it must have played on television all the time because my stepmom loved that movie too yeah it it's plays... so boring i know well it plays on cbc which for our non-canadian listeners is like the big national government funded canadian uh station every christmas eve like clockwork so i mean it's not mm, like that's it's, probably why yeah it's not like it's hard to find but we it was shot sell... in the 50s but it felt yeah. like it came out in like the 30s i know <laughs> like, well they did is... do a version in the 30s too which nobody ever wants <laughs> mm, so it's they really all want the alistair they sim only version. want the alistair sim one nobody wants you know the jim carrey one 
crickets. Yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah, wants, nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, nobody wants, you know, the Patrick Stewart one from the 90s. What about Scrooge? Scrooge, you know, Scrooge does well. I mean, a lot of those classic 80s comedies like Scrooge, Trading Places, they do well. I bet uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, moves. Muppet Christmas Carol yeah. does well. I think all the classic ones that you can think of do well. The ones, yeah, that sell the most for us are Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, like all those classic black and white ones from the 50s, you know, White Christmas, Holiday Inn, stuff like that. Yeah, it's mostly that stuff. Well, I think another one is going to start selling, Mark, uh, and it's one from Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, yeah. It's called Deadly Games, a.k.a. Dial Cud Santa Claus. Oh, wait, you didn't put the number. 3615 is what it is. Well, Vinegar Syndrome has kind of omitted that on their front cover. <gasps> so they've, they're calling it Deadly Games or just Dial Code Santa Claus. When we yeah. did a screening of it twice at the Royal Cinema due to popular demand, we were we were cool before uh, this movie came up to Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, we called it Game Over because I just thought it was a fun title. Right, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I feel like this movie, I've known it by so many different titles over the years that I can't really keep it straight. It's kind of weird that they settled on Deadly Games. I think it's because it has such a convoluted original title. It does. With the number in it, which is why people call it by so many other different things. But it's odd that they couldn't just call it, you know, Dial Code Santa Claus. Like, why did they go for Deadly Games? Is that like a commonly known? No, I don't think so. And so. Deadly Games is okay. People don't even know what we're talking yeah, about. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Dial Code Santa Claus is essentially Home Alone if it was serious and was shot, you know, like an Italian giallo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it came out in France before Home Alone, and it's like essentially like a slasher, mentally disturbed guy dressed as Santa Claus breaks into this giant mansion where a kid dressed as Rambo who loves to set traps has to somehow find a way to survive. That's the premise of the movie. And protect his grandfather, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> his blind his, uh, grandfather. His diabetic grandfather. <laughs> Guy discovered this one through you and, you know, Peter at the laser blast screenings. And then, you know, Vinegar Syndrome got on this bandwagon and has put it out in like a sparkling 4K Ultra HD edition. So you guys got the 4K version? We did. Version? So that's the only version there is. It's for, it's a 4K Blu-ray combo pack. So they haven't, like with Tammy and the T-Rex, they did separate Blu-ray, DVD, and 4 4K with this they've just done it as one release I don't think they'll do that anymore because that's how they get you you just do the 4K and you force the people to buy it I actually own the French version that didn't have English subtitles it came in a beautiful like fold out pack with all the special features that are in this which are amazing I think the problem with this is though we're not moving many of these at all because I think either people think it's just a 4K and there's no Blu-ray because it doesn't really make it clear that there's even a Blu-ray in it as well or they're just put off by the price because I don't know. I don't know what they're selling it for on their website, but we've got it for like over $50, which is, yeah. I think it's around which $50 is a little on their website as well. Like, yeah. Like this movie's great and I really do like it. But yeah, when you're asking people to pay like over $50 plus, and it's a shame because it is a really fun, like legitimately good movie that has just never really been discussed until now if people ask me like a christmas movie to recommend this is my go-to oh totally that i'm like oh have you seen this no okay check this out uh the killer is so good too i I think the santa killer is just so much fun there's a scene where because yeah he's basically just like a guy like a lunatic who's roaming the streets and at one point he decides to you know dress up as santa claus and uh, sprays his 
beard and his uh his hair with like white um i don't even know what it is he like spray paints his hair with like white spray paint basically and it's just like one of the funniest scenes i've ever seen just like he's going crazy looking in the mirror doing this and it just it's perfect perfect for the holidays. <laughs> not for kids though please don't show this to children not for kids yeah <laughs> Even though the kid is very charming. In the, even though I would have loved this movie as a kid, though. I, I think it's a little intense for yeah, kids. Yeah, I could see that. It's a little intense for adults. It is, yeah. Someone had to leave the cinema when we <laughs> really? showed it. Really? Like, wow. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you're uh, right. So, Vinegar Syndrome also has Blood Games. This is a really fun slasher directed by a woman, Tanya Rosenberg, that nobody knows anything about. She basically disappeared after making this no, movie. No, I, I have not seen the rest of Vinegar Syndrome Slate, although a lot of these titles really oh, yeah, look so interesting. Oh, yeah, so Blood Games, great slasher, basically, like, a woman's softball team um, defeat a men's softball team and the men's team is so jealous that they like hunt the woman's down stuff goes bad eventually they're like we gotta kill all the women and the women fight back and kill all the men nice <laughs> good stuff yeah that's you know the kind of simple plot line that i really enjoy uh, cemetery of terror this is another ruben galindo jr joint the mexican filmmaker uh clearly vinegar syndrome got his whole catalog and they're putting them all out this is not a favorite of mine uh it's definitely slow there's some fun stuff near the end but it doesn't hold the candle to the one that we talked about a few weeks ago i don't remember what it's called now uh, um, that was Grave Robbers, Grave Robbers right? which basically had yeah. the same plot, which is like a bunch of people go into a cemetery and create uh, trouble. The next one they're releasing, Don't Panic, uh, that one's really fun. So we'll talk about that when that comes around. We have Rest in Pieces. This is a very late period movie from Jose Ramon Larraz, the Spanish director. This is one of the pay the bills kind of films where um, it's like 80s. It's about a woman and her husband move into an old aunt who passed away her house. But uh oh, the people who live there may be a little bit unbalanced and the spirit of the aunt may be giving them orders what to do. I had fun with this one, but the ending uh, leaves a lot to be desired. The Severed Arm. Uh, oh, this is an older Vinegar Syndrome one uh, from 1973. This is a kind of proto-slasher before like stuff like Halloween kick things off. It's really fun. It's really weird. The premise is that um, a bunch of friends got trapped in a cavern and they ate one of the friend's arms and the guy went insane. And now the friends believe he's come back and he's cutting each of their arms off as they go what that's a crazy premise uh, <laughs> this really film was released by code red a long time but infamously there was a whole reel missing from it so it's finally uh released uncut for the first time by vinegar syndrome who done it is a um is it british I, mean, British, I think this is a it's American. Agatha Christie-esque adaptation. It or is. Like a, it's from uh, an And Then brand. There Were None, about a bunch of people who go to an island and they each get murdered. The gimmick in this one is that it's a bunch of actors preparing for a movie role, and each of them get killed. Um, there's, like, this song that plays, and, like, the song, like, the chorus says how each person will die. Ooh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's fun, but it's also one where it's, like, an hour in, you're like, when are we going to get to the murder factory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and two people get boiled alive. That's two. Too, one too many. Oh, you know, like boilings alive. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> uh, and then from Arrow, we have uh, it came from the swamp. Wait, is this Arrow or is, is this, it Severin? No, this is an Arrow box set here. Uh, uh, this he, is he came from the swamp, the William Greffy collection. William Greffy was a Florida filmmaker. 
he made a lot of movies that people know, but I don't know if they're anybody's favorite. Like Sting of Death, The Killer Jellyfish film, The Death Curse of Tartu, which I think is more famous for being shot in like two days to fill out a double bill more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, he did Mako, The Jaws of Death, which I know. Yeah, that's is on this kind... one. He also did Stanley, yeah. The Killer Snake film, which is not on this one, and also Impulse, the right. William Shatner film, which of is course. not on this one either, which I found very surprising. I think Stanley. Uh, another label owns the rights, I would say. Yeah. Well, Stanley was put out by Code Red initially on Ooh, But DVD, that may have been like, is it in the public print. domain kind of thing? Because um, yeah, a lot of his films be. kind of fall under that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if Code Red still owns that or not or somebody else is working on it. Um, but, you know, if you like uh, regional uh, filmmaking, this is definitely something you would want to pick up. It has tons of new special features. It has a book. It has a feature-length documentary that was released about this guy a little while back on DVD. And it also has all of the old special features, including some amazing commentaries he did with Frank Hellenlauter for the Something Weird video label, which I would highly recommend. They're really fun. And then we also have I Start Counting. Oh, it's another vinegar kind of syndrome title because they're released by them, but, but it's technically Fun City Editions. This is an interesting kind of coming of age kitchen sinks uh, film starring Jenny Ogeter, where she is in love with her stepbrother, who's like 32 years old and she's a teenager while murders are going on in her small town. And she starts to believe that maybe her stepbrother's committing them. And would it be that bad if he was? She'd understand. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, this one looks really interesting. So I can understand why Vinegar Syndrome, maybe they got the rights and they're like, oh, we'll let Fun City put it out. Because it's like the kind of like non-genre titles. They can shift it to like a sub-label. Because didn't they have a, a sub-label before, but they weren't popular enough to kind of like push it at the time? I think a lot of them have gone out of print now because uh, they did that, they um, that religious musical yeah uh, catch uh, something yeah they did then they put out that zalman king film too or one yes that he they acted did sleeping beauty something. i believe something like that yeah i can't i'm blanking on what it was called but yeah that label doesn't exist anymore and i don't think they manufacture those discs anymore so yeah i guess this is sort of their new version of that because i know they announced another title that's kind of similar it seems like a similar vibe to this uh, during their Black Friday sale, right? Yeah, it's like a young coming-of-age thing, a.k.a. Mark Poison. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm kind of intrigued by this I Start Counting movie, so, you know, I'll probably give this one a it's chance. It's pretty funny. It has an all-original pop score that was written just for Ooh, the movie. Well, the director of this, David Green, went on to do Godspell, did he not? I believe I read he that, He did. Right? He was mostly known as a TV guy who uh, directed remakes of like famous movies, but the TV versions that nobody remembers anymore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we also have She Mob and the Girl from Pussycat. This is an Agfa Bleeding Skull release. And these are like Russ Meyer-ish movies, but like really fall in between the cracks, low budget versions of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wait, wait, I have a question, Mark. Did Agfa raise their prices on these bad boys? Ooh, they did. Did they ever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as did Vinegar Syndrome, really. I don't know what's going on with vinegar Again? syndrome yeah so vinegar syndrome which actually is also produces the agfa bleeding skull right. stuff as well as the fun city stuff they have raised our prices like mad across the board so where that we used sucks, to be man i know we used to be getting these prices for like the high 20s like 28.95 29.95 now we're getting them in at like 37.95 vinegar like syndrome like aren't you rich enough and like i know i know and it sucks you know and it, it really sucks because we have like a, a 
rep through vinegar syndrome that we get like the vsa releases from directly because that's like an exclusive thing but um with the regular stuff we have to go through the canadian supplier for them who i will not name because i don't want to shame anybody uh and yeah they just keep the prices just keep going up and up and up so yeah these things are about 10 bucks more. When is the breaking point? When do you think that people won't buy movies they don't know for such high prices? It feels like they're like trying to push as far as they can at this point. Yeah. I would say right now is the breaking point because <laughs> all of the recent Vinegar Syndrome releases, like even the ones we just talked about, um, and even the ones from, say, like last month when I think they first started to really raise those prices, uh, have not been moving at all. So, so I don't know if people are just at this point being like, you know what? They're so high at the store. I might as well just get them on their website, like yeah. direct vinegar uh, do you syndrome think it's or something. A weird kind of like, I wonder if the prices yeah. have gone up. They have on their website as well, though. Yeah. Like it, I, yeah, they have gone up on the website. I think vinegar syndrome, I mean, well, yeah, I love vinegar syndrome, but I do think they want to potentially just like sell. I think they prefer to just sell their own stuff themselves. Which I totally get, right? Like, that's the easiest thing for them. I believe I thought – I think they were in the market for even opening, like, some storefront locations at one point that would sell exclusively Vinegar Syndrome stuff. Plus, I guess – In Toronto, Canada. Yeah, plus other stuff, I guess, that they do, uh, like, restoration work for that they, you know, sell through Mm. their site as well. Well, they have one in – where is it? Uh, The Archive? They do, right? Yeah, in Connecticut Mm -hmm. somewhere. Bridgeport, Connecticut. They don't only sell Vinegar Syndrome stuff. They sell, like, all sorts of releases. They do. They do. So I feel like they're trying to get into that more and more. Obviously, they're like big on the convention scene and everything. So they've already got experience with that. So maybe this is some way to like, uh, I don't know, to dis dissuade people from buying them at a rate. I mean, first you like you don't give us the slip covers and then you jack the prices up. So it, it is getting to the point where people are like, why don't I just buy these things online? Right. So. Uh, it is unfortunate. Bleeding the few direct distributors uh, dry. I mean, they could just turn around and be like, we're just not going to sell them to you anymore. We're just going to sell them direct from our website. Yeah, and that could very well happen at some point, in which case I will just get on the horn with our vinegar syndrome rep and be like, dude, please get like, come on. Well, we sell your like, stuff. It's such like, a let's, small don't slice cut us at off this here. point. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, I get that you want to sell your stuff online, but like there is value to having it in a store too, you know? And they're like, we're going to open our own store. And you're like, uh, well, oh, God damn it. I know. Well, fine then. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But don't you want to be part of a store that stocks stuff that you don't stock? Exactly. So people will just right? stumble upon it. Yeah. And also at this point, I think their ideas about opening a store might not be <laughs> top of their priority list anymore considering yeah, the state of the world in general you know oh, wait what's that they keep releasing more and more <laughs> they are they are <laughs> and they have more success oh, okay. i mean yeah i i bought things off their black friday sale too so you know whatever i can be a sucker for hey, their slip listen, covers i bought all the new releases directly from you them, did you so did i'm part of the problem <laughs> you are you're totally part of the problem but that's okay. Uh, that's okay so moving on we have king of the mountain scorpion <laughs> how about how are the scorpion prices doing mark <laughs> Yeah, you know the Scorpion pro- the, their prices are staying the same, but it's still not helping them move. So, at King all. of the Mountain, <laughs> a film starring Harry Hamlin about a group of friends who race their high-powered cars up and down dangerous and deadly mountain road known as Mulholland Drive to see who can claim the title of King of the. 
Ew. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> had to burp that Sounds bad boy great. out. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you know, that's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. But this one kind of looks intriguing. I mean, Dennis Hopper's in this one, too, in his, like, early 80s slumming period when he was, like, you know, high all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen this one. This one seems a little more intriguing to me than some of the other Scorpion stuff we've been getting in, which is just, like, lame 80s sex comedies. But... I don't know. This from when you look at the reviews, it just seems like kind of some forgotten early '80s coming of age drama. Oh, there's a very important Scorpion film that you got in uh, this week that we're going to be talking about next week. Ooh, yes, yes, I know which one you're talking. <laughs> which about. I'm a big yes. fan of. So we also have Mad Max. Rest in peace, Toe Cutter. Recently <laughs> passed away. Yes, Mad Max is back, and it's on UHD too. From is it? it is. Oh, so that's why it's coming out again. Because I'm like, didn't. Shout Factory, uh, Shout Factory yeah. put out a special edition. So this was a weird one. Yeah, Shout Factory recently lost the rights to a lot of the MGM titles they've been they had put out. So that's why a lot of their big releases like uh, To Live and Die in L.A., Manhunter, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, Carrie, like the list goes on and on. A lot of their big ones they are actually have been taking out of print, and this was one of them. Uh, but in this case, yeah, Kino picked up the rights to this, um, and they have put it out as their second official Ultra HD release coming after last year's failure of Hannibal when they tried to put that out on Ultra HD. <laughs> I mean, we made the Hannibal we joke did, before. Yeah. Make it again. Why? Why? And yeah, I think that one, since it barely sold anything on Ultra HD, at first they were like, you know what? We're not getting into the Ultra HD game, but I'm like, why would you choose Hannibal to put out as your first Ultra HD movie? But okay, whatever. Uh, Mad Max is doing a lot better, so uh, clearly people want that. Uh, I don't know. Are you a fan of the original Mad Max? I think it's oh, okay. Yeah, I love the original Mad Max. I haven't watched it in a long time. I was just trying to think of what Ultra HD movies do I own. And I was like, I own that one we talked about at the beginning, uh, Cut Père Noël. I own Ant-Man 2. I think that's it. Uh, I just own <laughs> Rad right now. That is it. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, ooh, I got to get Quick of the Dead yeah. oh, on yeah. uh, HD because I know it has deleted scenes that have never appeared it anywhere does. else. It does, yeah. I remember that was a big one when it came out. Uh, so moving on, we have Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the complete collection. I guess it's a TV series. Yeah, so this is a huge 70s TV, sci-fi TV series for people of a certain age. Uh, if you're into, you know, I guess Battlestar Galactica, uh, or Flash Gordon at the time is kind of a part of that. Uh, so yeah, this includes uh, the entire series plus the original theatrical feature film that they made all in one uh, beautiful looking set from We Kino. also have The Other Side of Madness from my friends, The Film Detective. And this is uh, a fake, reenactment of the Manson killings yeah, like faux so, documentary so this is a good time for everybody this is one you want to bring home uh, for the holidays for uh, for everybody uh, yeah I don't know I'm definitely in, I'd heard, I've would heard. i always heard about this one never this seen it this seems up your uh, alley have you yeah, watched it yet I, ha- I didn't have a chance to watch it honestly and I'll, I did take it home but it's one of those things where it's like do you really just want to like throw on a, a Manson family recreation just at any point I mean, in time? You know, it's you gotta be you, in the mood yes. for that. Yeah, I know. Usually, I'm in the mood for that, but you know, I was just having a weird week, I guess. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I never got to that. But I usually like this kind of Manson stuff. I'm a big fan of uh, Jim Van Bevers' The Manson Family, which is kind of like a weird um, fictional movie, but it definitely you know reenacts scene like the murders in a very like documentary style way. Um, so I feel like this is kind of an early prototype for something like that, although it was done a lot closer to the murders. It was done in 71, so only a few years after. Um, but yeah, it's never really 
really been available outside of like I, I think there were some bootlegs and I think maybe Image had put it out at one point like a long mm-hmm. long time ago I mean if Filmatech is putting out I would guess it probably falls into that weird public domain who owns the yeah, rights kind of thing you know what thing. they've done a pretty nice job with this I haven't checked it out yet but they've included some special features and they've also included a bonus disc of the Manson family um, CD sampler thing do you know about this yeah it's like songs that like were inspired by the Manson family killings or something it's got a weird yeah it's got a weird cd extra to it so if you're I, like, I like that film detective is getting into the special edition uh yeah yeah realm. that's fun so yeah i'm into that and you know it, ever since once upon a time in hollywood came out people have manson family fever we actually got no all, they don't they, they actually do we got people come in after that wanting to know like what manson family movies we had so you know i guess it falls you know, I guess it's strike. They're striking when the iron's hot. So, so you were like uh, the haunting of Sharon Tate. Yeah, exactly. Well, the haunting of Sharon <laughs> Tate was like the only other new one that was out at that time. So like the haunting. Of, I actually sold one guy on the haunting of Sharon Tate just Why? because. Why? No. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Were they MODs? You're like, I got a movie. <laughs> they weren't even MODs, but he was total. I didn't even have to push that much, honestly. But you're like, I've seen this. It's bad. Yeah. Oh, I said <laughs> it's bad, but, you know, kind of in an entertaining way. And he's like, all right, sure. <laughs> I like Hillary Duff. Uh, so moving on in the classic section, Criterion's coming for your wallet again. They released another essential box set, Essential Fellini. Yeah. Yeah. They are going hard on the box sets lately, which I feel like we have talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Well, I'm excited because I'll be able to skip their one car Y one because it'll probably oh, yeah. only include the remastered version. Ooh, yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> if um, people want to see how a filmmaker can screw up their own films, check that check out. That the photos out. that have been released on line <laughs> uh well with this fellini said it's uh pretty beautiful uh, i mean it's got a lot of titles that they have already put out like you know la dolce vita eight and a half i don't stuff like own that. any of them well there you go Not you one. really lucked out then uh but you know what even if you own those titles it does have some like pretty good uh choice cuts like uh knights of Kiberia is on here for blu-ray on blu-ray for the first time which is one of his greatest greatest films it's been uh very rare and out of print for a long time uh so they do have some like blu-ray upgrades that uh, haven't been released in single editions. Uh, it is a little pricey for sure. Uh, but I do not like its size. And, and it's big. Yeah, it looks like a big record. You know, they've gone they've gone the record route for this one. It comes with two books, and what I noticed, it's really tough to get out. But just look to the side. They put a ribbon. So you can lift up the book. They have, so you don't actually yeah. have to like dig into it to get it out. Yeah, which is nice. It's a nice thought. <laughs> but, you know, uh, good on Criterion for trying to like squeeze this teat to get like the maximum amount of money out of people. Oh, that yeah. Otherwise, you know, what? Not it, it works for them. They We sell these things like hey, man, cakes. I bought so, it. Yeah, so, like, you bought they, it. They it's, won. It's they like won. the Bergman set, you know, and even, you know, if you've bought a few of these titles already on their own, it's the kind of thing that's like easily justifiable as an upgrade because there's enough new titles and new stuff in it to really you know justify i was trying to think of like what does criterion er own the rights of that i would love for them to see like another box set i feel like the heavy hitters antonioni antonioni could could uh, happen although they've released so many like almost all of his on blu-ray now that it's like that one would be harder to justify i feel like for me, for box uh, set, but they're like, still gonna do. Yeah, it. they could. They, they, they could find could. some like early cuts, like um, 
that they haven't put out on Blu-ray. Like the ones he made before. Uh, That's true. Aventura. Yeah. They also, you know, Zabriskie Point still has not gotten a Blu-ray release. So oh, that would yeah. be that a would be huge their, like, get. Yeah. I don't think they own the rights, though, to The Passenger. They don't. So yeah, they I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's the only one that I don't know if they can get in there, which is obviously a big piece of Antonioni. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that like, yeah, the Wong Kar Wai thing, that's got to happen at some point. I mean, maybe they'll do a Wes Anderson box set, right? Oh, yeah. They do own all the Wes Anderson uh, movies as well. I guess it's tough because they do need to find like an angle and like release something that they haven't put out. And for Wes Anderson, they've put all of his yeah, stuff out. Yeah, right? Like if you're going to do a big filmmaker, it helps if you haven't put all of their stuff out already. So at least with the Fellini and the Bergman sets, there were enough new ones that had never been on Blu-ray that it really justifies it. Or with like Agnes Varda, you know, a lot of those had just never seen been out before. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they Criterion, do in 2021. Raul Ruiz, he's right there. That would be great. You know, that would Blu-ray. I would be very impressed if they went down that, that road. That feels like an Arrow thing. I said this before. It does, yeah. Like that's something that I feel like Arrow would do, but I still feel he's not well known enough. So it would be a tough sell to people. But um, you could do it, Arrow. You could do you it. You can do it. You could do it. Uh, so moving on, we have Cinema Paradiso coming out uh, from UHD. Speaking of Arrow, didn't they put this out on Blu-ray again? I guess it's the UHD they version. Have, yeah, <laughs> this is just UHD. Yeah, they they put this out on Blu-ray and DVD a couple years ago now in really nice special editions. So yeah, all this is is an Ultra HD upgrade, but. People can't get enough of their Ultra HD discs these days. No matter uh, what I was is. looking. I was like, should I get an Ultra HD? I'm like, how big is our TV? And my partner Emily's like, 50 inches. And I was like, oh, man, that's big. We don't need much bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And the problem is I feel like you need like a big room. You need like a 70-inch like... TV. Yeah. And then you got like, you can't have it in like a tiny space where you're like sitting so close to it or something. <laughs> Wait, how you know? small like... is your apartment, Mark? How close are you to your television? Very, very. I'm like like two feet away from it <laughs> but i have been in a friend's apartment who's had it who has had an ultra hd tv he had like a tiny tv yeah, no he had like a huge tv but like in a tiny living room and it's like you're sitting so close to it he's right? like uh i have a giant tv what do you have in your home and you're like a partner that i love and i fall asleep with <laughs> yeah right yeah. it's exactly like that <laughs> Okay, so uh, moving on, we have uh, The Lost Weekend, classic Billy Wilder being put out by Kino. Yeah, Kino is just snapping up all the Billy Wilders these days. Yeah. Well, a- no, Billy uh, Kino has a Studio Canal catalog, which I feel like this is part of, Yeah, right? I know. Yeah, I guess Criterion will not be putting out a Billy Wilder set at any point because Kino has all the rights to these. But yeah, The Lost Weekend has is obviously one of his best regarded films. Um, and yeah, it's been taking forever to come out on Blu-ray, so it's nice to see Kino finally put that Listen, one out. Listen, it's already come out but we've just forgotten it because in our drunken haze it just passes by i mean everybody knows lost weekend guy gets drunk you know struggling with it that's it has funny misadventures that's, that's it has a right? hangover has to figure out what happened <laughs> that's lost weekend, yeah exactly right? you know you crack a few beers you have some fun the only thing about the watch. kino ones is that they're always so boring looking like the like the they black, are. you know. I don't know the the artwork on this one's kind of nice. I, I'll give it to them. Oh, okay, it's better than the like crappy old DVD they had, where it's just like a badly like Photoshop pick of Raymond. I Land like how Kino there. still refuses to like put any uh, images on their discs. They're like it's a black thing on white text every time. They are sticking to that, you know. I mean, it must work for them. They must, you know. I guess people really like those um, spines lined up on the shelf. Right? On my Gold Ninja video discs, I. 
I made a decision when I made the first one that like I was like I don't want to pick like a crummy font and like put it on this disc. So Gold Ninja Video Discs don't have the title of the movie on them. I wonder if that drives people nuts when they're like, "What is this?" I know, right? It probably does. You're probably you probably have yeah, OCD but it looks so people classy, freaking because nobody else does that. You're like, ooh, yeah. No, I like it. I think it looks great. So uh, moving on, we have libeled. Libelet, libeled lady, libeled lady. I think yeah. is what it's called. It's yeah. a Gene Harlow, William Powell joint. When a major newspaper accuses a wealthy socialite, uh, one of these movies, yeah. of being a home wrecker, <laughs> she files a multi-million dollar libel lawsuit. Ah, man, my tongue is falling out of my... Okay, so I get it. Rich people have fun adventures, you know. Yeah, that good stuff. Oh, Warner Archive title. Yeah, that explains basically. It. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, stand, typical Warner Archive uh, title. And we also have The Pirate uh, of Warner Archive, Judy Garland, Gene Kelly, Vincent Minnelli, together at last in us, all singing, all dancing pirate musical. Great. Is it The Pirate? Pirate movie? Is it like the pirate movie? What the stop motion one? Yeah, I don't know. Is the pirate? Is that what I'm thinking? Of? Or am I thinking of ice pirates? Maybe I'm thinking of ice pirates. Or are you thinking yeah. of the porno pirates or whatever? Remember oh, the big I budget remember one that, came out? that that they tried to like confuse as like Pirates of the Caribbean came out around. Yeah, I was working at Rogers Video when that came out. We had that on the shelf as a new release, and people people legitimately rented that because they thought it was some sort of like Pirates of the Caribbean. My type movie. Uh, friend famously rented War of the Worlds, thinking it was the Stevens. Spielberg one <laughs> started watching it. Nice. He's like, "Oh, it's really cheap." And then he looked at the box. He's like, "Asylum." Uh, yeah, I love. I miss the days of kind of working at Rogers Video and seeing all those Asylum like ripoff titles come in and people genuinely renting them, thinking they were the real deal. Uh, if only they had tried to make an effort to make them good, <laughs> but they did not. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. So moving on, <laughs> we have uh, more serials from VCI Riders of Death Valley from 1941. That's their bread and butter cereals eh they uh if you <laughs> they know really... it you'll pick it up oh another monty python's flying circus the complete series is this one from norway uh, <laughs> i think it is <laughs> so yeah you might be having some deja vu because we definitely talked about this about a year ago now um that was a very limited yeah norwegian set of uh, monty python's flying circus uh which we still have on the shelf if you want it but this is a much cheaper slimmer package which i think just includes like the show i think it cuts out some of the extras and everything but if you wanted a slimmer set well one that was like half the price basically then here you go this is a lot cheaper it's like a hundred bucks instead of two yeah it bucks. probably doesn't have like the books and stuff like that people were saying that the like limited edition uh one was like really fragile and easy to break and also tough to yeah open. we heard that too it was <laughs> from some some people but nice looking set but it just was a little discombobulated for sure <laughs> Mark, I think it's from Norway. And I'm like, no, I think that's a Monty Python joke. <laughs> that is the joke. So moving on, we have Shuttlecock, director's cut. Everybody's been waiting for this one to come out. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie. Nobody but, knows anything. Um, it has no letterbox Yeah, reviews. apparently this is a early 90s film, British film, starring Alan Bates and Lambert Wilson about a, uh, a British spy who ends up in a mental institution in Lisbon, Portugal. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've never even heard of this film but i don't know if you weird that it's being released by gravitas ventures yeah so gravitas ventures is starting to inch into the older classic cult market because you probably know this but i don't know if our listeners do they are officially releasing grizzly 2 the revenge in the new year they're i know you probably well, you don't okay care about so that. that's not really inching into the older classic cult market that's putting out a movie that nobody else wants to release because essentially gravitas is 
they're not officially a um, aggregator, but that's basically that's what basically they are. what they are, definitely, and that's definitely what they are for. You know, they put out a lot of new movies that have you know come off the festival scene sometimes or don't even have you know any festival play and they give them sort of a release which i've always kind of admired even if you don't really know who it is that runs gravitas uh photocopied covers that look like they were printed out yeah, of the they, office printer they don't look very good but you know i don't know they're making a big deal about this grizzly 2 release so i guess they think they're kind of you know i know people who have seen it and they have said it is not good see i'm kind of looking forward to it but I, I'm going to adjust my expectations, I guess. But we will certainly have that from them in January, I believe it comes out. I mean, Grizzly 2 uh, co-stars George Clooney, or he appears in it. Did you hear that George Clooney says he has been cutting his hair with a, uh, what is it called, a Floby for the last 20 years? <laughs> I did not know that, but that makes sense. <laughs> Do you believe that? I, I believe anything with, uh, <laughs> with celebrities. He's so handsome that like he uses the shittiest cutter I know, right? <laughs> ever. And he can just and get just by, right? Yeah. You know, I believe it. I believe so it. So moving on, we have The Killing Floor. This is a TV movie, I think, right? Mm-hmm. It is, Directed yeah. by Bill Duke. Well, it actually did play uh, some festivals. I think it played at... Recently, it's Restoration No, did. but even uh, in the 80s, it played at either Cannes or Berlin. It actually had screenings there. Um, but then it was, it was made for, I believe, a PBS show, American something, uh, that basically sh- premiered, like, TV movies and stuff like that. But it did uh, play a bunch of, like snooty highfalutin festivals at the time i'm intrigued by this though bill duke directed this and i think it was one of his oh i thought you would have seen it because you were watching all of those i know i was Um... trying i I meant to get to it i just you know had a busy week justin i had a busy week this week (laughs) no i thought you (laughs) meant you would have watched it like back when they were doing all those virtual yeah no i i never knew they were even putting this out honestly the first the first i heard of this was when we got the uh dvd blu-ray release because you're right yeah i was covering some of the film movement stuff back um during the pen the first wave of the pandemic uh but i never got any notice about this but it looks really interesting it's kind of about unionizing factory workers i mean i love bill duke as an actor and uh his directorial work has definitely gotten a little more a little trashier and more hollywood as the years have gone on but i definitely want to see kind of where he started uh this is from 1984 this movie and apparently it's also kind of funny it like has a good sense of humor about it but it's oh, yeah but it's, bill duke made deep cover that movie he great. did and yeah deep cover is great he did yeah i feel like have you seen his recent credits though they're definitely a uh, little bit up not here. so uh, great it looks like a bunch of tv movie yeah, style stuff he's done a lot of trash lately but uh but yeah this one the killing floor uh takes place during world war one and it's a poor black southerner southerner who travels uh north to chicago to get work in the slaughterhouses and then he becomes embroiled in the organized labor movements which is you know very relevant to this day and age so i don't know i'm really i'm glad film movement is like taking a chance on some of these really more obscure older independent Mm, work yeah i should i will definitely have to check this one out i missed it on the usual list when i look and i'm like what do i need to drop money on this week at yeah i mean i feel like nobody really remembers this one though you know it's it's definitely one that um yeah unless you happen to unless you're like really following the film movement releases or you just happen to see it at the time um you just might not really know anything about it because even i even if you try looking it up on imdb under the title it doesn't even come up because it's listed as just an episode of american playhouse oh, which that's was the, brutal. the pbs series i know so it's actually hard to find so if you the best way to find it is just go to bill duke's filmography to go to his director thing and just like 
go control F find killing floor and it'll you'll find it but like you gotta list the uh, companies releasing these movies on the website don't you think more people would be like hmm film movement like because it's a brand right that it's like recognizable well it's funny that even with this one uh, with our suppliers that we got it from when they first announced this they announced it as the wrong movie the killing floor because i think they couldn't even find it (laughs) they announced it as the 2007 horror movie the killing floor which i have actually seen and is a terrible terrible film like steven dorf Uh, mark Mark lucas is in that one i don't know if you remember him um yeah, which is a terrible, terrible horror movie, like straight to DVD horror movie that I remember seeing at the time. And I remember at first, <laughs> why would film movement? I know when I that? saw that listing, I'm like, okay, film movement, interesting choice, interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> so moving on, we have Route One USA being put out by Icarus. Uh, it is a documentary, unless I'm mistaken. Well, this one I have seen. I did some homework this mm, week. Well, of course you yeah, have. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I saw this one a while ago. So this is really great, though. And it's, it's another film, kind of like The Killing Floor, which didn't really get much attention when it was first released in the late 80s. And now, finally, Icarus has picked it up and put it out in virtual cinemas this year, followed by the DVD release. It is a very long documentary. It's about four hours long. But don't let that time dissuade you. Mm. I know, I know. <laughs> It's really cool, though. It's basically so it's from a filmmaker named Robert Kramer, who isn't that well known anymore. He even though he's made a lot of films in the 60s and 70s, he was kind of like a radical leftist American filmmaker. He was always he was making. So he made a film called um, Ice, uh, which was about like radicals in like a future america and everything. Uh, He made a documentary called Milestones, which has followed a bunch of people. Yeah, a bunch of like radicals who were and hippies and stuff throughout America. So he was very much part of that uh, scene. And then this film, so it's a documentary with him and a friend, a doctor friend of his, uh, played by Paul McIsaac. They just basically go to the Canadian U.S. border, and where which is where Route One in the the highway in the U.S. starts, and they travel all the way down to Florida where it ends, and they just stop and talk to people along the way in in all kinds of cities and all different uh, people from all different walks of life it's really really fascinating stuff it's a really great time capsule of america at like the end of the reagan years as it was going into kind of the bush era and uh, i don't know i was just like really hypnotized by it even though it's like yeah you look at the runtime it's like four hours and 15 minutes you're like oh my god how am i gonna get through this but i don't know i just found it went by like a breeze it's just like a really pleasant road trip movie which is maybe what people need now as you're trapped at home, especially if you live in yes, Toronto. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's like taking a vacation, you know, just look at it that way. So moving on, we got Wonder Boys. Do people like this movie? I uh, hear it come up all the time. Yeah, it's got, well, it's got a pretty big cat. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is in this. Uh, Greg Kinnear, our favorite man, Greg Kinnear is in this. Uh, <laughs> Greg Kinnear? Yeah, the poor man's poor man. I believe Katie Holmes <laughs> is in this, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I saw this when it came out and I liked it, but I was like a teenager who barely had any taste in film. So I I don't know if it would hold up. I mean, it's based on the novel by Michael Chabon. Chabon? I can't say his last name. And I like his book. I like his work. If people haven't read The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay about two Jewish kids who start a comic book that one's really good and would highly recommend and somehow that's not been a miniseries or a tv show even though i think it's been announced before uh but wonder boys i remember seeing it there's stuff involving like a 
trunk doesn't it take place over one night as well maybe i don't know i just remember michael douglas is like an author who's like having trouble getting his new book together and he's just yeah, a charming he, nerd yeah girl. something like that who got cancer from going down on his yeah, wife too much i remember i do remember you know when he was doing that whole thing thanks michael <laughs> thanks michael for that image um yeah i i don't know i just i mean i do love curtis hansen i've always been a big fan of him love his uh domestic thriller stuff in the 90s you know love and this was his film coming off la confidential which was probably his biggest film up to that point so i think he was just kind of given like uh you know the go ahead the green light to like do whatever he wanted and this was his choice to adapt this book um, and yeah, I remember it was, I think it was nominated for some awards. It was a big deal that year. Yeah, it but, was. It was, it was liked at the time. But you're right. I don't know. I never really think about it much anymore. I don't know if people really talk about it much anymore, but, um, but we certainly have been selling copies. So there's, there's a fan base, but I will say Paramount has done nothing with this release. It's just like a bare bones MOD release. It's not a so. Paramount Presents, if No, you it's not even a Paramount Presents. They couldn't Which even I gotta do that. say, I was a bit sickened to see that they uh, cheapened out. No more cardboard cases oh, for I the know, no, we're getting a lot of uh, pushback against that. We've actually had customers complain about that, which, you know. Really? Yeah. I mean, I get it. Because they want it to, like, like, line up on their shelf perfect with their copy of The Haunting. Well, I, you know, I don't usually care about people's complaints about that, but I do kind of get it in this case only because they do, with those slip covers, they did make them, like, all numbered and everything, so you would line them up, and then all of a sudden the the Canadian distributors for these have decided to just oh, remove so it's a it's Canadian, a Canadian thing. thing so I think if we import because we used to have to import these from the US yeah but they were so expensive they were like 40 something but they bucks. were way more expensive but then we got Canadian distribution on them which was great but then they shipped them to us and they didn't have the slip covers and we were like what it's got all the same stuff and it's the same disc like when you open it up it's the Paramount Presents disc in it like there's nothing different about it they just don't have those slip covers, so you know I what? Don't know. I picked up uh, the what is the Lionsgate Vestron Video uh, Blu-ray that I didn't have from the UK, and no slip covers there either. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, my Bud the Chud too stands naked uh, on my shelf. Oh God, <laughs> how will you survive? <laughs> oh no! Well, someone's gonna come in and be like, "Ugh, you own all these." I know, right? I like, Look away from my shame. No, I know no, they don't own no, that. I'm sorry. Yeah, you might as well just throw that Blu-ray out. Honestly, throw it, throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash. Thankfully, yeah. I don't, I, I don't have that kind of OCD. Like, it doesn't really bother me. I have other things to worry about. So yeah, thankfully, I don't care about that at all myself. So whatever. Oh, but I, I know a lot of people like. I mean, that's what leads to collection. Is sometimes you know. You well, the first one they that. stopped doing the the Paramount Presents slipcovers were for us was Roman Holiday, which was like a huge title for them because it had never been out on Blu-ray before. Didn't you like, get the Didn't you get the Haunting with the slipcover? We did. I so sworn it. that's the interesting thing. There are still a few of their titles that we have to import from the U.S. that don't get the Canadian. So I guess the Haunting, no, our Canadian distributor didn't feel the Haunting was a worthy enough title to uh, distribute in Canada. <laughs> so for that one, they we had right. to import it. <laughs> So great, we get the slipcover, but you're also paying like 15 bucks more than you would otherwise. Uh, you know what? I'd rather pay 15 bucks less. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so moving on, uh, something else that I need to pick up because it's my man, Andrew. Can't say his last name. Bajalski. Bajalski. Yeah. It's his 2009 film Beeswax being put out by Cinema Yeah, Game. this is kind of like a staple of the early Mumblecore movement, right? It was like basically him and... Where's my computer chess Blu-ray, Cinema Guild? I know, I know. Well, did they, did they not do a Blu-ray of computer chess already? Or no? You know, Maybe it was just DVD? They may have when it came out. Uh, 
can a Blu-ray of that film exist considering they shot it on uh, like video cameras? Oh, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, I love Andrew Bajowski. Love Computer Chess too. Great movie. And this one's fun. This is definitely, this one's definitely more akin to the Mumblecore stuff that was being put out around that time where you're just kind of following some aimless 20-somethings as they, you know, just, yeah, bumble around. Uh, but it's a good, Put it up beside nice. my copy of um, uh, LOL. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, but, you know, it was shot- <laughs> That I uh, bought out of the bargain bin <laughs> at Bay Street yeah. Video. Yeah, you, you sniped that one. Uh, but this one shot on film, though, right? Uh, I think this it one's is, on 16 mil, so it's got a nice look to it. And yeah, I just love Andrew Bajowski. Loved, loved, loved his most recent film, Support the Girls. If you haven't seen that yet, definitely watch that. That one's good. Um, what about his Guy Pierce um, workout comedy film? Uh, what is that? <laughs> Uh, oh, what is it called? Um, you didn't see it? Results, right. Yeah, you're, you're results, right. Yeah. You know, for some reason, I thought I mixed up Guy Pierce with Guy Ritchie for a second there, and I was like, Guy Ritchie? <laughs> he made a movie starring like, Guy Ritchie. He made a Guy Ritchie-esque movie? I don't remember that. <laughs> um, Whoa, yeah, I never I saw that. I had completely forgotten that Guy Pierce, speaking of A Christmas Carol... He started the FX Dark Christmas oh, Carol. He did. Wow. Last year. Three hours long. <laughs> Great. Great. You um, know the Christmas yeah. Carol? How about if it was Dark. grimier, yeah. longer, and darker? Great. Just what I want. Just what and I Andy want. Andy Circus plays the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> In a gorilla suit, I hope. <laughs> That's the only way I would So watch that. moving on. Take it over, Mark. New. It's the new section. No, 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 no. All right. Let's blaze through some of these movies that nobody cares about these, right? The Irishman. What is this film that Criterion uh, is putting out? It's a streaming movie? Yeah. Is this, this is a streaming movie? Uh, is this, wait, I wait. Guess... Does it come with, like, uh, a four-leaf clover in the Criterion <laughs> I wish. Yeah, they didn't go that all out. Um, so, yes, The Irishman is finally, for everybody asking for the last year, when's The Irishman coming out? It's finally here. <laughs> Anytime The Irishman isn't on screen, people should be asking, where's The Irishman? Where's The Irishman? Um, you know what? I still have not seen this film, but I'm sure it's very good. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, this uh, just never really appealed Speaking to me. Speaking of streaming, did you know that there's a new Steven Soderbergh movie coming out on uh, the 10th? No, but I know he just drops movies here and there when he feels like them, so. Yeah, it's his new Meryl Streep oh, on a boat I did, movie. I I did hear about this. He's got something set up whoa, with Netflix, whoa, whoa, Mark, right? I, I think I hear in the tone of your voice, you haven't been keeping up on our Lord I'm and sorry, I'm sorry. Work. You know what? I think the last thing I saw, I mean, I saw that basketball movie he made that was on Netflix, uh, Ooh, High I Flying like that Bird, right? Yeah, that was really good. I quite enjoyed that. But... Oh, but he made the one about the Panama Papers, yes, which is not good. I did not watch. Yeah, I heard it was kind of bad, so I skipped out Feature, on that. Features Mary, uh, Meryl Streep in Brownface. Ooh, that's... Yeah, you know what? I just don't really care for Meryl Streep in general. So, yeah, seeing oh, her in Brownface... Oh, controversial that, I know, opinion! I know. She just bores me. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not into it. I don't, I don't get She's it. She's fun with... I, you get the sense with Steven Soderbergh, she's like, "Ooh, I get to be challenged." Yeah, right. Like I don't have to. I, I don't have to be in um, Mary Poppins Returns or something. Yeah, exactly. shit like that. <laughs> you know what? I I do. I will catch up with Soderbergh with his last couple. I just. I don't know. I, I don't know but I am getting to the point where I want to like kick Soderbergh and be like, "Dude, you got to change up your style." Come on, man. I know. Is it just the same thing over it and looks over again? Exactly the same. Like I watched a trailer for it. I'm like, "Yep." That off center framing, uh, he the really saturated that, colors. Eh? Yeah, 
You know what? He's just sticking to what what works for him right now. I I don't know. But he used to be so experimental, like in I different know. ways. Yeah, he used to do different things, right? And I just it is a little dismaying that he's like totally just in the Netflix fold right now because I feel well, like I would say that I you know I I I know you didn't, but I really liked his. What was the first iPhone movie he shot? Uh, Unsane, was that it? Or Unsane, yeah. yes. I really yeah, like that I, one. I felt mixed on that one, but yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about it when it came out. And I really like his basketball one. Yeah, that was great. I really Shooting on that. iPhones, obviously, like, it freed him up and it made him feel like a little bit different than he usually does. But you can tell on this new one, he's just shooting with normal cameras again. And he also did it on his Panama paper. But he's still, Why yeah. are we talking about Steven oh, yeah. Soderbergh when the Irishman I was Irishman like, how did we get here again? Oh yeah, Netflix, the Irishman. Um, <laughs> yeah, Netflix. Okay, well, the Irishman is here. I don't really, have, do you have much to say about the Irishman? Did you like it? Is it good? I like the Irishman. It's That's a, all I got. It's a nice addition, you know, criterion. Uh, so moving on, we got Train to Busan presents Peninsula. I love. Wait, so the train is presenting that, That's what I, I love that they're calling this Train to Busan presents peninsula um i guess the train to busan is a real person and is presenting movies now ah, so. i have a train to busan <laughs> and i have a tale to tell i know right uh, i haven't seen this one i uh, hear it's fun i guess if you like the first oh, one no, people so, did not like oh, it. no people didn't like this okay yeah, yeah, yeah i did not see it i will be checking it out it's supposed to be a very generic world world war z style zombie movie. people like this here i mean we still sell it on people people don't know what they want they just want more of what they liked at one point so <laughs> people don't know what they want yeah I, yeah I agree I agree so we got some TV here we got Better Call Saul season 5 a show that I have not caught up with but I hear is very good yeah I watched the first season very good never watched a second and that's yeah. all I got <laughs> and now we're five seasons deep uh, and then we got Babylon Berlin which we just talked about recently because season 1 and 2 came out and now season 3 is here so Kino is just continuing to uh, I'll just watch it on whatever streaming service it's uh, located exactly, on exactly right <laughs> it's on Netflix right I think yeah something like that oh I gotta that. say the new Sodenberg not a Netflix joint it's actually an Amazon Prime joint uh, well it's still that streaming giant kind of thing you know Steven Sodenberg <laughs> left us the day that he decided no more commentaries on my DVDs or yeah, I know, dude. Like, come on. Come back to us, Steve. Come back. Then we've got The Secrets We Keep, which is a post-World War II thriller. No! So yeah. <laughs> It's not during World War II. It's no! after World War II. Uh, it stars Numi Rapace as a woman who's rebuilding her life in America after World War II. And then she believes her neighbor, I think, is like... Or did something to her, is like a Nazi or something. She So she kidnaps him and tries to, I don't know, torture him for war crimes or something. I don't know. It sounds like something like that. But I um, feel uh, bad and happy for Numi Rapace because she has acted a lot lately and every movie has been worse than the last. I know, I know. And this also stars Joel Kinnaman, who also has <laughs> oh, been acting no. in worse and worse and worse movies ever since oh, he- Oh man, Numi you know, Rapace first... was in Bright? Ugh. she was good in the girl with the dragon tattoo i guess but then like after that it was like i don't think i've liked her in anything oh i think she was in the first season of the jack ryan show so you know good for her for collecting a paycheck good for her. she's still around though yeah and then we've got buoyancy which is a very well-regarded uh thai movie about um a Thai, a young Thai boy who is sold into slavery on a fishing charter, I think. It's supposed to be really intense. It's been blowing up that uh, festival circuit that I always mention. <laughs> blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> that Mark likes to talk about. Blowing up. The I am. I'm going to get a You got to get a tattoo that says blowing it up on the festival circuit. <laughs> 
Do you have any tattoos, Mark? I do, actually. I do have a tattoo. <gasps> well, don't tell me what it is. We'll keep it a secret. But I'm not going to tell anybody what it is. It's my secret. It's my secret, all right? If I had to guess, it's probably like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills related. <laughs> yeah, it's Denise Richards' face, basically. <laughs> I'm, Wait, I'm did my you say Keith Richards' face? No, Den- Denise Richards. Come on. Keith Richards. Oh, God. What a nightmare. <laughs> You're like, I love the Rolling Stones. I know, so much. <laughs> love you, Keith. Um, so, moving into uh, titles that I know you're not going to like. Another, This is an actual World War II movie. It's called Haberman. And, yeah. Is it about a World War II superhero? Something like that. It sounds like it, though, right? Uh, but uh, the notable thing about this is actually, well, first of all, it was released in 2010, so it's not actually really a new movie, but it's just coming out now. Uh, but it's directed by Yuraj Hers, who made The Cremator, which we talked about, the Criterion put out recently. And it's one of his more recent films, so if you liked that and want to see what he's up to... Uh, He's making kind of generic looking World War II stuff now, but uh, who am I to say? I have not seen this. So next up, we've got Into the Labyrinth, which is an Italian movie starring everyone's favorite Italian actor, Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. It actually stars Dustin Hoffman, uh, who apparently... Who apparently speaks Italian because I think he actually made a couple of Italian movies back in the <laughs> ah, yeah back in the seventies. But it starts him and Tony Servio, who uh, is the actor from The Great Beauty, I believe. And they it's basically a thriller about a young girl, a young kidnapped girl who resurfaces, based on some book. But I guess because nobody likes Dustin Hoffman in the U.S. anymore, he's making movies in Italy. So I feel uh, I missed his whole um, Me Too thing. Uh, you talked about it, but I never Kevin read about it. It went really fast. I don't think anybody really cared that much about him. I think it was just like people were like, oh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman's a dirty old man and harassed us on our, the set of a few movies. And then he was just like, I didn't do that. I, you know, that was misinterpreted. And then everybody just and then there was that awkward. I think it was for Wag the Dog or something. They did some Wag the Dog anniversary screening and it was brought up and Robert De Niro was like visibly discomfort uncomfortable and it was just like i have vague memories of this yes and it but i think after that it just kind of everybody forgot about it so but i don't know i i can't say i've seen like a big american dustin hoffman movie come out recently so i don't know what he's actually doing al pacino roams free not that he's done anything wrong yeah i mean he's great right (laughs) yeah good let him go to his grave no stories told about it yeah uh, so moving on, we've got I'm Leaving Now, which is uh, supposed to be a really good... I just uh, cursed Al Pacino to death. I know. <laughs> I love Al. I love you, Al. You're great. Hoo-ah! <laughs> he's here right now. <laughs> he is. He's on the podcast. We managed to get him on. I'm Leaving Now is a documentary from Cinema Guild. Uh, it is about a, uh, a Mexican immigrant who is in the U.S. and he's been working to uh, save money for uh, his family back home. And when he gives him the call saying he's coming back home, they say that they've squandered all the money he sent home and he has to stay there continuing to work. Uh, this was a big hit at Hot Docs, I think, a couple years ago and has been uh, – uh, getting rave reviews. I really want to see this, and I love the stuff that Cinema Guild puts out. So if you're into, like, artier documentaries, this will probably be the ticket. Uh, and then we've got Aqua Slash, which is a great title. Have you seen this oh, movie? Oh, wait, this is about the killer uh, slide, yeah, so this is it? a Canadian horror movie. Uh, I think it's French-Canadian, actually. It might be wrong. Oh, no, yeah, this is from the guy who did Discopath. I do not like that yes, movie. Yes, it is. Yeah, I heard bad things about 
that. Great premise. So, Killer water slide. Love it. Yeah, great premise. I think I read some reviews saying that you don't really see much of the killer water slide, though. So, yeah. Maybe. That's weird considering that, like, Disco Path was really grimy and gory. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, I mean, yeah, I love the premise. Uh, and it seems like from, like, the stills you look up that there's a lot of blood in it. But I don't know. I read some reviews saying it doesn't really give you that much. But, uh... yeah. Great title, though. Great title. Great title. Great title. Um, and then we've got uh, the very generically titled. Dinner with Friends. <gasps> My favorite John Favreau TV show. Yeah, but no. Uh, this movie was actually better known as Friendsgiving in the U.S., but uh, in Canada, they decided to release it under the much more generic Dinner with Friends. I don't know why. Uh, but this stars a whole bunch of uh, – so it's got Malin Ackerman, Kat Dennings, Wanda Sykes, a whole bunch of familiar faces, and it's a Thanksgiving comedy about a bunch of dysfunctional people that come well, together. I don't want this. Thanksgiving I, is already passed I know. In it's already come and gone. Ago. So – whatever i guess thanksgiving in the states i guess all right so yeah there's an ensemble comedy for your thanksgiving viewing and then we've got big release of the week iron mask the return of well the big team up between arnold schwarzenegger and jackie chan justin take it away i've talked about this on the podcast already i'm having such deja vu yeah possibly i feel like this could have come up but yeah this uh, is technically a russian film so uh uh uh-oh russian uh, film alert blockbuster it's v2 and uh jackie chan and arnie show up in only one scene of the movie (laughs) (laughs) are you kidding me is it just one scene i'm not it's one scene. It's set in a prison. They leave. They never come back. That's hilarious because, yeah, the way they're marketing this, at least in North America, Lionsgate's putting this out. Like, this is, according to their front cover, like, this is a Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jackie Chan vehicle. Anyone here, who so. rents that expecting it will be sorely disappointed. They will also be very confused because it is a continuation from the first V, which was a big budget remake of the classic uh russian horror film yeah yeah well i saw jason fleming was in this and yeah i remember he was in the first v and then i uh, made that connection but yeah this is really kind of scummy that they're trying to pass this off as and like this is like really old too like it was made like five right? years but ago. yeah they are really marketing this like well legends arnold schwarzenegger and jackie chan finally teaming up you know and uh Clearly, that is not the case. So, you know, buyer beware. Moving on to the final couple titles. We're going to get back to Christmas because it is December. (laughs) First up, we've got Buttons, A Christmas Tale, which is a pretty uh, syrupy looking family musical uh, about a couple of kids, a couple of orphan girls who are looking for a home for Christmas. (laughs) Sounds like a commercial or something, you know? It's like a musical. It's a musical. I don't know. It's narrated by Kate Winslet, apparently. And there's a great trivia note. I oh, know. Oh no! Wait, I'm looking at this cast here. Poor Dick Van Dyke and Angela. Well, apparently Lansbury. they play the girls' guardian angels. Those two. So <laughs> they're not dead <laughs> you yet. You know you're in for a treat. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. Oh, I Kate mean... Winslet is just narrator. Robert Redford is narrator. Is this some kind of like? Like they've been blackmailed into this. I don't know what this is about, but there's an interesting trivia note that I saw where uh, part of this movie's sales were donated to Kate Winslet's charity, the Golden Hat Foundation. So was this just like made as like a a way to drum up money for her charity or something? Or yeah, a tax dodge. Uh, It was also made in 2018 and is coming out now. Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, maybe because there's not many Christmas movies coming. There's not really much Christmas family viewing coming out that they figure, oh, well, you know, 
we'll get, you know, older people to get this for their kids and, you know, they'll all sit down and sing these songs together. So What are you I talking about the nothing's coming out uh Christmas related? Cuz next up we have the Mel Gibson much anticipated Batman. film Batman and it's this week's Blind Boy. <laughs> woo woo woo. We save the best for last here at uh, the Bay Street Video Podcast. Um, so yeah, Justin and I watched Fat Man this week, which honestly I didn't really have that much interest in when I first heard about it because ah, I just hate Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson's just hard to watch these days, I find. like He's just too... And it's not even... I mean, it's partly because I just find him really offensive. But I mean, I watched him in like Dragged Across, across Concrete and it didn't bother oh, he's me. He's so good in Dragged Across Concrete. But I find a lot of the time, like when they just try and put him in regular movies now, he's just like... Unless he's playing a sexist, racist P.O.S. Well, that's the thing, right? Why are you... I question anybody's judgment who actually wants to work with Mel Gibson if you're not actually using Mel Gibson like to like comment on something about who Mel Gibson is, right? Or you are one of those people. <laughs> Craig Zoller. Or you are one of those people, right? So, I don't know. Fat Man is, I don't know. Do you want to set this one yeah, up, Justin? Yeah, it's a gritty Santa Claus, kind of. We'll get to why that is not true. Where it's actually, it's just Mel Gibson is Santa, and he's running out of money. So, uh, you know what? I'm getting into the weeds here. Basically, a hitman wants to kill Santa Claus who's Mel Gibson. That's all you need to know. It's the premise of an SNL sketch. It has a, about as much entertainment as a two-minute yeah, SNL you, sketch. Yeah, you got that right. That's for sure. It's weird, though. You're right. Like, it's they're trying to do, like, a gritty Santa Claus. Like, they're trying to get off on the fact that, like, hey, it's Mel Gibson and he's Santa Claus, right? Like, how, how messed but up is that? But he's not, like, a badass. He doesn't do anything you know, cool within the context of the yeah, story. And it takes place in a weird world, which is like reality where like Santa is just like, you know, a, an average guy who like had a toy making operation that's fallen on hard times lately. But he also has magical elves who only eat sugar and don't. Yeah, fall that's asleep. the thing. It, it clearly wants to ma- like meld elements of like today's current like economic reality and like how, you know, businesses are hurting and things like that. But then it also has that like elf like will ferrell elf type thing where yeah he has like a whole you know a whole workshop and like part of it it just turns into elf almost all of a sudden but like not even like a funny version of that so it it just feels really half-assed like i'm sure they probably sold this like oh it's like you know john wick meets uh the santa claus (laughs) but there's not really any of that stuff. There's like a very short gunfight at the last five minutes, but that's it. It's so boring. I like, I don't, I thought this movie was supposed to be a comedy, but like none of the jokes landed for me. I know there's a scene early on because the reason a hitman is out for Mel Mel Gibson Santa is because there's this spoiled rich kid who got coal in his stocking. So because of that, he's really mad and he has access, you know, he already like tortures his classmates when they, you know, uh, make him mad. So he hire he has this hitman guy that he hires who's played by Walton Goggins and who's probably the best thing about the movie. I actually didn't mind walton goggins he's always great but i i wish the movie was better for and his sake I w- you know? what is going on with this movie pulling every single punch like oh god i know it doesn't it's even just, kill any kids it doesn't even yeah i was just gonna say there's a scene early on where you see the kid the the spoiled rich kid torture basically who he's kidnapped like one of his female classmates and this kid's like what 12 13 years old or something he's kidnapped one of his classmates because she beat him at the science fair 
and she's tied to a chair and he's like threatening her with like an like by electrocuting her which already is kind of weird because you're like uh this is a little this isn't really coming off this is a little sleazier than i feel like they mean it to be like it's not coming off funny really like they're not going for it enough where you're like oh wow that's shocking they're just kind of doing it in this half-assed middle ground where you're like yeah and then he and then she just gets dropped off back at her home it's like what (laughs) yeah exactly and it was like i was watching this with my partner and she was just like yeah i would if i were this girl i'd just go back in my house and be like um yeah to my parents yeah that kid just uh kidnapped me and tried to like kill me and then like it'd be over it's weird that like walter goggins like needs to find where santa is it doesn't seem like he works too hard at it like he never comes off as being cool. I keep saying the word cool. And what I mean is like, they need to do stuff to show us what kind of characters they are. And that never happens. Well, you don't even find out anything about him until the end when he has his final showdown with Santa. And then Santa's like, yeah. oh, this, because Santa knows everything about everyone. So he's like. It honestly feels like they re- like it's an SNL it sketch. Is, yeah. And they're like, oh, let's flesh it out. And they didn't bother doing anything they else. They didn't flesh it out. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think the journey with Walton Goggins trying to find Santa Claus takes up so much of the movie's runtime that that did not need to happen. I feel like but it's like just Santa padding. isn't doing anything. Like he's not moving towards any goal or anything like that. No, he's just grumbling around his like farmhouse about how like yeah, there's a great like a stupid scene where Mel Gibson's like trying to be like, oh, people don't understand the meaning of Christmas these days. As if I need Mel Gibson to tell me what the meaning of Christmas <laughs> is these days. But, like, if you're going to go with that, like, go with that. But they don't actually really go far in any direction. It's like... And there's, like, really funny hints of stuff. Like, Santa knows who everybody is. Like, that's a funny idea that the film does nothing does with. Does nothing with it, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... not recommend. No blind buy here. And I'm going to spoil it for people. The kid doesn't even get killed at the end of the movie. Like, what the hell? I really wanted that brat to get killed, and they don't even kill that kid. And he's like, I'm leaving you as a warning. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I just... I feel like if you're going to make a Mel Gibson Santa Claus movie, like, make a sleazy... I should point out, the film is violent. There's, like, blood and... Oh, yeah, it it doesn't skimp on... It's not afraid to be violent. It's just afraid to be, like, the sleazy kind of movie that it should be. Now, if Craig Zoller directed it... Yeah, you know what? I would much rather see a Craig Zoller version of this movie. Uh, I feel like that would be much more entertaining. But I think it's also trying to go for that, like, bad Santa vibe or something, which it's, doesn't, it doesn't really... doesn't go far enough, though. It doesn't go far enough. It's just... It just is trying to get off on that one joke of Mel Gibson is Santa Claus, and that's it. And, like, it. the fact that Walter Goggins, at the end, only meets Mel Gibson for one scene... That's just bad screenwriting. I know. Yeah. He spends the whole movie, like, driving around, trying to, like, find his way to, like, the North Pole And it's a hundred minutes long. It's that's so... Insulting. I know. It dra- It felt longer than that, too, honestly. I felt like I was watching it all night. <laughs> so, yeah, no recommend on that no recommend on that definitely not as good as something like you know guest house or something (laughs) (laughs) or what did we watch last week i forget uh we watched the croods last week (laughs) yeah Yeah, slightly slightly worse than the croods oh yeah i don't even remember anymore come on now (laughs) much worse than the croods yeah the croods had some imagination to it at least yeah this is nothing skip it it's the kind of movie where i watch the trailer i'm like uh i know what this is then i watch the film and i'm like yep it's exactly what i thought it was gonna be i know i had that same thought and that's why i wasn't that jazzed about it initially when i heard about it because i'm like ah this doesn't feel like it's really gonna go far enough it's just gonna be in that middle ground and yeah it is exactly that so all right well that's it for 
the Bay Street Video Podcast. Uh, on that note. <laughs> on the sad, sad note. On the sad, Wait, before we sad go, note. what would you recommend someone pick up if they need to get a Christmas present? You know, I, I always want to recommend Santa Claus Conquers the Martians because that is just, that's just great stuff to me. That's just. Oh, it doesn't have to be a Christmas movie, just like a present. Like, what is, what, what is a hot item? I would say if you've got a real film lover in your fan, get him that Alejandro Jodorowsky box set. That thing is a beauty. You guys can't move those, can you? That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can't move them. <laughs> Actually, buy, buy Empire, the John Leguizamo <laughs> Blu-ray. You know, I need... <laughs> Seriously, it's great. It's John great. listened to the we episode where we did a blind buy. We definitely on it. didn't shit talk that movie for like ten minutes before. Uh, or you know, buy the Blu-ray of Wild America. That's sitting here too, and I really uh, think that <laughs> what is Wild America? It's that Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. That, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and pick up I'll Be Home for Christmas. Make it a and job. yeah, and bundle it with I'll Be Home for Christmas because we have that on the shelf now. Yeah, a JT double bill. Time. Exactly, JTT forever. All right, well that's it for this week. My name's Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. GTT Forever! These movies and many more are available at your local video store.